are plugged into the finale della Madonnina on Serie A Sit Down, World's Football Index's podcast of Calcio Told Like It Is. This is our wrap of the 2018-2019 season in Serie A and uh, the wrap of season three for Serie A Sit Down. I'm Frank Cravello. Glad you are here with us. Uh, co-host joining me as always, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How you doing this evening? Man, it just feels like I'm great. It just feels like yesterday we had Mark Neal and Rosella and doing the preview and season flies. Wow, I mean, I, as fast a season as I can uh, as as I can remember. Um, you know, I'll tell you what. I mean, just kind of an overview between you and I. We we knew who was going to win the title just based on how things shook out in the Mercato last summer and how teams were being built. But I don't think we expected some of the. Uh, excitement and some of the things to happen and unfold the way they did as the season went on. Plenty to uh, be entertained by this year. What and what an amazing uh, end to the season, man! I'm just stoked thinking about it. Uh, I mean, with the way things just fell towards that last game, last match day, uh, the way things were playing out live, uh, man, it was just get your get your 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 blood was just pumping. You were so excited. I mean, anything could happen, and really everything was pinching on one game in particular. But uh, we'll get to that. It's uh, just yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, I gotta calm down. I might just uh, y- yammer the whole way through. Jubilation in Bergamo, jubilation in half of Milan, uh, heartbreak and despair, and the other half of Milan, ultimate heartbreak uh, in Empoli, in that small town in Tuscany. Uh, and we will wrap up all of that. But first, we want to bring in a couple of guests here to put a wrap on the season. We're going to hand up hand up a bunch of awards, and uh, to do that, we have two guests with us. Uh, earning his second cap on the Serie A sit-down. He is the founder of the Laziali and contributor to Di Marzio. Uh, welcome back, Stephen K. Moore. Ciao, Steve. Ciao. How's it going? Uh, we're great, man. Uh, I think last time um, last time we had you, we were all uh, flying back from Italy playing for that Serie C team that could only field like six people or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, we were. We definitely <laughs> were there. And uh, you're turned. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Lazio uh, have a nice shiny trophy too. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you. It was good to see. You. Yep, yep, good for you guys. Um, also joining us, uh, uh, I believe this is his fourth cap with us on the Serie Sit Down. He can correct me if I'm wrong. The co-host of Far From Vesuvius, Rafa Rispo. Ciao, Rafa. Ciao, guys. Ciao, Frank. How you doing? Yeah, it's my fourth. Um, I was had I was thinking about that before I came on, but yeah, yeah, this is number four. How's everyone doing? Doing great. Great to have you. And man, you uh, were frighteningly close with your Torino prediction, by the way. <laughs> I took a lot of pride in that, you know, especially the closer that they got. They're just thinking that it might happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any 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 time, uh, you know, I'm I'm right once about once every six months, and uh, and Richard never hears the end of it when I am. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, Richard. Well, That's I mean, right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I was I was right about Napoli in second, but uh, you yeah, know, you know, everybody yeah. was right about Juve winning the title, but <laughs> yeah. you know, nobody could have seen um, really how good Torino. You know, it's sad that they didn't get a. You know, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but you know that they didn't get uh, into Europe this season. Uh, a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of exciting things that could have happened that didn't, but a lot of other exciting things that did happen, and I'm happy to talk about it with you guys. Absolutely, we have a packed. Uh, season in review here. Um, later on in the podcast, do listen for us. We will give 
our lasting impression of the 2018-2019 season, the goal of the season, young player of the season. Uh, we'll hand out uh, the players that uh, get the dubious distinction of being on this season's Crap on a Cracker 11. Um, some popular names uh, showed up this time around. Uh, we will have our Serie A sit-down team of the season. Uh, each of us will give who our manager of the season and player of the season was, and we'll finish up with an outlook players uh, on next season. Players to look out for in the Mercato, uh, the manager carousel, and uh, each of us will offer a bold position, uh, position, bold prediction for the 2019-2020 season. But let's uh, wrap up match week uh, 38. I mean, the significant action really took place on Sunday night. Eight games, I believe eight games, seven games, something like that, going on at the same time. Um, Fiorentina and Genoa uh, did their best impersonation of Austria and West Germany 1982 World Cup um, <laughs> in hopes that Empoli would lose. Uh, Domenico Berardi decided that he wanted to hit the beach a little bit earlier than everybody else and uh, got a red card for his uh, discretion, indiscretions uh, in a brawl that broke out between Atalanta and Sassuolo at halftime, putting Sassuolo down to 10 men and allowing Atalanta to take advantage and win to secure their Champions League place. Inter win to grab fourth in unbelievably dramatic fashion, uh, heartbreaking uh, for Empoli as they head back to Serie B. Um, and then uh, Milan beating Spall, uh, but having to settle for fifth because Atalanta and Inter came away winners. Uh, the falling action from that is that Gattuso and Leonardo are out at Milan. Um, I had the Milan match on my big TV. I had the Inter game on the laptop. And, Stephen, I watched the Inter game more than the Milan game. I, it was crazy. I probably should have flipped that in my living room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, myself, being at work, it was probably one of the most difficult days I've had in a while. <laughs> I can tell you my phone was vibrating about every second with all these different changes that have been going on and all the Twitter updates I was getting at work. But when you're at work just on a small little screen there, I was trying to zoom out as much as possible and stream some of these games. But uh, yeah, it was quite, quite hectic, like you said there, with all the games happening at 2.30 and, and so many so many things that were just so dependent on each other and it didn't really matter. In some cases, like Roma per se, if they were to win, they, they kind of really needed other people to uh, win. But uh, yeah, definitely for, for Inter, Atalanta and Milan, that, that was a uh, very competitive and close uh, clashes between all of them there. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Rafa as a neutral, um, you know, Napoli had, had played, I believe the day before. Um, right. So you got to just, tune in uh without a dog in the hunt on these with these final games going on um can you remember a more intense uh match week 38 38 in city history i the farthest i can go back you know a few years ago Torino and parma playing for the last uefa spot uh but then milan and lazio fighting it out for the scudetto on the last day i believe that was in 99 um uh those were the two that i remember as far as the most intense you know final match days in a Serie A season. Um, but this was uh, this was just as good as those, weren't they? They were. I mean, you, last year you could argue, you know, the Inter Lazio match to, uh, to to you know to to claim the Champions League spot. Um, actually, a couple of seasons ago, maybe a little more than a couple ago, uh, might have been um, Rafa Benitez's last season. You had Napoli and Lazio on the last match day, duking it out for the last Champions League spot, and Iguain missed a penalty to. Um, to, to go ahead um, 
with 10 minutes left and then Lazio scored two goals and beat us at Sao Paulo to get to the, to the, to the Champions League. So there was that. Um, a couple of like one-offs, you know, between two, two teams, but never like where there was three or four teams in line for the last two Champions League spots. And at the same time, you had about five teams fighting for relegation down on the bottom. So I'd have to say this season was one of the most exciting ends of the season. Uh, there was a dog fight for relegation a couple of years ago too, where I think it was Crotone on the last day, you know, we're safe. And then even last year, I remember keeping an eye on the phone, but I was at work too. Um, at the, at the, at the barbershop hair salon, we had, uh, numerous TVs. So I just kind of like positioned everything to, <laughs> to, to, to every, to a different game. I had Inter on the big screen. I had, um, uh, Atalanta on my phone. I had Milan on the laptop and all around my stations while I'm cutting hair. So I'm just like, just like getting all these like, like visuals of goals and some of them at the same time. So it was really cool to see, you know, it's, it's, it was nice to not have to worry about any of it as well you know having played our last game the day before yep for sure richard uh our milan are back in the europa league again uh after finishing fifth um i'm of the opinion that uh if we're at a point on match week 38 where we have to rely on uh as good as they were down the stretch we have to rely on empoli to get some kind of favorable result at inter then we probably are not ready to be in the champions league but how did Empoli not get a result out of that game? What an amazing game, right? I mean, all the games were really amazing. I had I had the Inter Empoli game on my on the main screen. I was watching the Atalanta match until they started pulling away. Uh, the Milan Spal matchup was was exciting as well. Uh, but yeah, that 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 Inter proved that they deserved the Champions League spot in, in that last game, in my opinion, because they. They, they had every reason to lo- to blow that game and, and let Empoli win that, or at least draw. Um, they just kept going back and forth. Drogowski with a great penalty save in that one. To You think, oh, my God, here they're going to do it. And the end of the game, it had some opportunities. Handanovic came, up, came out big. Um, yeah, it was just uh, just an amazing week, the amazing games. And that inter-Empoli game, it just everyone was talking about it at the time. It, like, it, kept, it went down to the last whistle, and you, you got a feel for Empoli and like I said, I think Inter deserved a Champions League spot based on that game. Uh, but Empoli, you feel for them, man. They finally started playing well at the end of the season. The way they ha- they can play well offensively, it's just defensively they can't stop anybody. And you know, the last month of the season they're doing that, and it comes down to the last game. It's too little, too late for them, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you when you take a look at it, Inter had 14 shots on goal. I mean, if we yeah. had a uh, you know, we did a place of the week for match week 38. We'd probably have to put Dragovsky somewhere in the top five. For he was amazing. He he almost single handedly got him got them in Serie A for next season. See, almost. Yeah. Indeed, and I'm sure that uh, he's not going to have any problem. Stephen, let's just talk about. We're going to talk about Mercato here a little bit later on in the podcast. But um, Dragovsky is a guy that's not going to have any trouble finding work uh, in the top flight next season, isn't he? Definitely not, and it's quite surprising considering the last year he had at Fiorentina, where it almost looked like he was uncomfortable in goal, just, just playing with Fiorentina, and then they went out and got Alvin Lafont there from Ligue 1, and then they thought he was going to be their superstar, but you can't just blame it all on him, but the season just went downhill in the second half, and you could, you'd see Fiorentina finishing in 16th place, just three points above a relegation spot. That's quite surprising considering some of my relatives are, are Fiorentina fans, so they were quite worried, but... Rogowski himself, he was incredible for Empoli in the matches that he played in. He kind of took that number one spot going in, but he will be returning 
on loan to Fiorentina. So it's going to be quite surprising to see what they do, considering the amount of money they've invested in LaFont. So um, there's no doubt he will have some suitors, um, whether it be in Serie A or um, elsewhere abroad. We'll, we'll have to wait and see about that. Indeed. Um, so that said, um, what else did you guys take from these uh, last run of games? Rafa, we'll start with you. Well, um, I, I just think that it's a shame that Empoli weren't able to stay up. You know, uh, the way they played the last five, six weeks, you know, to, to end the season. You know, I'm on Wikipedia a lot, and I'm looking at the Serie A on Wikipedia. And, and, and on there, they have, like, a, a positions by table, like like Roundup, and um, uh, or uh, positions on the table by week, I should say. And, uh, you know, to see Empoli just kind of, like, drag themselves, like, further and further out of the relegation spot you know and to, like to almost to almost get themselves out out there you know would have been would have been insane for them to get out there and i think they really did did um 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 deserve deserve it and and if you ask me Fiorentina deserved to be the ones relegated because at the same time looking at that same week you know weekly weekly table Fiorentina's decline was just absolutely outrageous uh, i mean i don't think i've seen one like that in a long time and with a team so like like stacked with potential, you know, and and future and current like superstars, you know, the national team players and and just 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 players who played really great and you know European aspiration, I, I think Fiorentina really did deserve to be the ones to be relegated at the end of the day. And I feel so bad for Empoli. Touching on Dragowski too, really quick, my buddy, uh, our buddy Kenny from. Uh, Far from far from Vesuvius, actually um, posted this uh, this this uh, a pic of this tweet that WhoScored.com put out there, and uh, Dragowski's got uh, number one, two, and three on the top three most saves in a single game this season. <laughs> Seventeen against Atalanta, twelve against oh. Inter, and then um, ten against Fiorentina. So he's one, oh. two, and three in 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 most saves in a in a game, <laughs> which is which is pretty outrageous. Um, uh, you know, Inter, Inter deserved to go to the Champions League at the end of the day. They, they, you know, they did what they had to do. I do feel for you guys and your Milan team. I really do. I, you know, uh, they, they fought hard and they fought hard for Gattuso and, you know, just to see them fall just a little short was, was really sad, but, uh, I'm so stoked for Atalanta. Like, you know, honestly, Napoli were just cruising on second all season long and it was like not as inspiring of a season. You know, we can all say that, you know, Napoli are in transition or whatnot, whatever you want to say. But, but to me, the, like the, 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 the surprise and the, and the, like the joy of the season is Atalanta because the work rate that they put in, for Gasparini too, and you know the, the the they didn't really make too many changes in the off season to, to you know to they just maintained their 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 great talented team that they have and they they did it and I'm really happy for them. Absolutely. Um, and I said this. I said if if Milan don't make the Champions League, I don't have any problem with seeing Atalanta in the Champions League because the way they play, I can't wait to see what they do against some of these elite teams and the kind of problems that they're going to create with the way they play. Um, so, uh, and, and, and to do it on a modest budget, to do it without Calara and, and Spinazzola, and I think we're kind of giving away who our manager of the season is, and we'll, we'll, we'll formally announce that later in the podcast. I mean, 
you know, they keep having departures. They keep bringing players in, and they keep making it work. It's just phenomenal. Um, Steven, uh, match week 38, uh, anything uh, anything else you want to take away from that? Not so much the match day 38 other than uh, Lazio's disappointing performance. Uh, but uh, <laughs> other than that, I think just as a whole, near, near the end of the season, I think uh, one of the one of the – I guess better um, of the teams that came out of it in addition to Atalanta were definitely small. Uh, I think that they had a really yeah. good run near the end of the season and, and they defeated a lot of top teams, Lazio being one of them uh, as they went forward through there. So it was good to see Spall uh, raise themselves out of the relegation zone and kind of establish themselves as a, a hopefully good team uh, going into next season. And Patania coming from Atalanta, it's good to see him finding the back of the net a lot. Um, and then obviously just building off of Atalanta, I think they really did deserve it, especially when they were going on the, that winning terrific form under Gasparini all season. But then they went to the Copa Italia final against Lazio, we saw them lose. And to come back and have the courage and just the heart to actually finish the season on a strong note, tying Juventus and then winning on the last day, it really just showed how much they deserved it and how much they really wanted it as a whole. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do over the off season, I think uh, today it was actually announced that Gasparini is likely to stay until 2022. Uh, yep. So it's going to be see if they allow him to, I, I guess, inquire for certain players and, and keep the team as a, as a whole and kind of build around that core group. Yeah, you got to think that um, you got to think that he's not putting pen to paper for another three seasons if he's not been promised. If he's you know he's not doing that if he's not been promised um, that uh, certain players are sticking around. So. Um, you know, Richard, how about you? Uh, uh, take away from uh, match week 38. I don't know if it's so much match week 38. I mean, well, uh, it's it's gonna be an unpopular opinion as a Milanista, but I think you know I'd rather see Inter in the Champions League than Milan because I think the Inter have better suited players for the Champions League to compete uh, more than Milan would. I think, uh, and considering who the manager is coming in for for Inter. Uh, that puts them in a really good spot. They're gonna have uh, it's gonna be uh, very challenging for teams to play against them uh, going forward. Um, you know, overall the season in general. I mean, I'm ex- I'm just stoked for Atalanta. You know, kind of what Rafa was saying how they the team that they were put together and they kind of just the r- the run they ran through the three headed monster they have up top. It's just amazing and fun to see them play, and uh, I'm I'm happy to see them in there. Um, I'm happy for for Lazio and Inzaghi for winning the Coppa Italia. I'm glad someone other than Juventus won, um, and I'm glad you know Inzaghi was able to get that thing all, chip off his shoulder and, and win that trophy there. So that's good for Lazio there. And then um, last but not least, I mean, it's old. Old is uh, old is good again, right? Old is new. Uh, Fabio Cagliarella uh, winning the Coppa Canonieri. Uh, just an amazing season by a 36-year-old. Everyone's thinking, you know, the new guy coming in is gonna gonna rule the league. And uh, this guy, this at his fine fine age, just uh, put goals after goals after goals throughout the season. I mean, it's ridiculous what he did at his age. Yeah, we had the wrong 30-something for Capocannonieri. It turned out there. And in Atalanta, I mean, that's a that's something that we here at City I sit down. I think said at the very beginning of the season when you know they signed Zapata. Um, you know, I think that's one of the things that Richard and I can be proud of, of all the things we talked about in our preview, is that Gomez Ilicic and Duvan Zapata is going to get very, very dangerous. And we talked about Duvan Zapata being a Capo Cananieri contender just because of that system. Uh, and that turned out to be the case. Yeah. The thing that just stunned me was that 
Gasparini took about a third of the season before he finally played a system where all three of those were playing at the same time. Right. Um, and uh, hmm. we were just like, we were looking at this and we we're like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, do you do you do not do you not realize what you have? And then he, you know, he did it just in time, but you got to wonder if he stuck if he if he turned them loose throughout the entire season. Uh, Rafa, they're, well, they, well, yeah, they're pushing they Napoli. Do. They're pushing yeah. Napoli for second. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um, it did take them a little bit of time to get off, you know, to get off to their to their to get to their footing. Um, you know, them being eliminated from Europa League. You know, everyone, yeah, me anyway, I, I thought that that would be pretty much a, a blessing in disguise for them and that they would, like, contend for Napoli or, you know, some might even say maybe, possibly a surprise Scudetto push uh, had, you know, with all the, uh, you know, the the, the the additions. But, you know, it, it, honestly, uh, they're getting off to a slow start in the beginning of the season hindered them from like getting to second place. I don't think there was ever a doubt that Juventus was going to win the title. Uh, If anybody had that kind of doubt, then they're crazy. Um, You know, but, but you know, what if, like you said, he found the right mix, you know, 10, what, 10 or 11 games earlier, you know, that, that could be, we could be talking about, you know, a uh, a Scudetto race at the end of the season between Atalanta and Juventus and Napoli finishing in third, you know, and it being a different sure. black and black and blue, <laughs> up yeah. there, you know. Yeah. But um, but you know what, Atalanta deserve it, and um, just their their story was so compelling this year. I think they were truly the story of the season, um, and and just the way they won games too, you know, convincingly, you know what I mean. And and I tell you, I I gotta tell you, you know, I. You know, I can't say that I've watched every game of Serie A this season, but I definitely watched every Napoli game. And that that you know, uh, that game at the San Paolo between Napoli and Atalanta, I I could have told you from the start of the second half that we're going to lose that game, and we ended up losing it. So, you know, good on them, man. They deserve it. Yep, yep, definitely agree. I'll hey, quick Frank, wrap it. Frank, yeah. real quick, you know. I want to talk about this match week 38. You know, the game in particular, Fiorentina against Genoa. Was anyone else as pissed off at, at, at the stalemate, the, the, the lack of trying? I, I wish both those teams got relegated the way they played that match week 38. I wanted, I, I wanted was so pissed off with the way they played. I, I've, I was, I've got a beef with them. <laughs> the two of them. I was going to, I was going to bring that up as my take from match week 38. I think it was just absolutely pitiful. Um, that, you know, like I said, and I said it at the beginning of this piece about, them, I mean, it just did. It, it quickly reminded you of Austria and West Germany back in 1982 World Cup, right. you know, where they kind of had this agreement. They didn't even need to play. And back, they probably didn't even need to play football. They in both of those countries, they probably could have just broke out a keg, all right, and just sat there and drank <laughs> beer for 90 minutes. They probably could have offered the referee a beer and said, "Look, we're, nothing's going to happen here. You might as well have one." Okay, you know, and they're they're in Tuscany. You break up the nice Chianti. All right. Everybody just sits around on the pitch. They have a, you know, they have a nice, they have a nice Chianti. They have some wild boar um, or a steak or, or or anything like that. They should have just done that instead of that pitiful 90 minutes, you know, that they subjected everybody to. It was just, it was embarrassing. It's an indictment on, it's an indictment on the sport. Um, and it almost backfired because for a while their Empoli was up and Genoa was relegated yeah, uh, for right. about 10 minutes there. So. Um, and then the other thing I'm just going to take from it, um, you know, Milan falling short. And I, I made some comments. I said on Twitter, I said, get one. The, the Derby double made a huge difference into taking both of those games. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, take one point out of those. Uh, and this is a different story. Don't give away the 2-0 lead at home against Atalanta. Um, and that's a different story. And that's just scratching the surface when you look at some of the disappointing results against some inferior sides that they should have beaten. So the margins were that thin, you know, in terms of these Champions League places. Uh, Gattuso out as a result, uh, and Leonardo, it sounds like, is out. Um, and I'll double down on what I said on Twitter. I said I, I was never a Gattuso out guy. Um, I'm very proud of the work that he did. He came on very, and, and Gattuso has had a reputation for walking into some very, very thankless managerial positions. And at the time he took over from Montella, this was a very thankless situation that he got thrust into. Um, and he, I think he exceeded everybody's expectations with what he could do with Milan. Having said that, there was only going to be, you know, there was a ceiling on what he could do at Milan, I think. And, and I think we saw that. I don't think that, and I think these, the lack of getting these points here and there in some of these games are just where it's out of reach for him in terms of what he can do. So, um, you know, so Milan move on from him, but I have nothing but the utmost respect for him as player and as manager to take Milan through a very difficult period, manage it, uh, manage it, manage through it, and and get us on the get us on the brink of Champions League, and then 68 points, which is the most they've had in like five or six years. And for a team with the history of Milan, yes, they should be expecting more, but. Look at the situation that they're in. Look at what Galliani and Berlusconi did to this club down the stretch. You know, they're always going to be respected and admired for what they took Milan to. But that when they couldn't compete with the resources that all of these other clubs were, were having available to them, they held on to it for way too long, and they threw mud at the wall and, to, and, and tried to see what would stick um, and then sold the club irresponsibly <laughs> to a – you know, to an ownership group who clearly couldn't sustain it. And now it's in the hands of Elliot. So there's been a lot of turmoil. And I think Gattuso, you know, has been the constant, and he's taken this team to a respectable level in a very, very difficult situation. Stephen, any thoughts? Yeah, I think you're, you've kind of nailed the head on that one uh, all the way around. I think that Gattuso is definitely that guy. That, that can really transform uh, players. Like I, I've seen a bunch of people stating that Gattuso will really have an impact when players take a look back on the season or even at their tenors since they've been at Milan, just saying that Gattuso will be someone I remember just because of the passion he has for the team. It, it's similar to kind of Inzaghi, I feel, in that aspect where he, he has that connection with the club that's just so strong, right? So at the end of the day, I think, like you said, he, he can only take them to such a big height. And what, he, what he's done with what he's had available to him, it, it's been unreal. Um, but I just don't think he's he's at the tactical level uh, that t- the top managers or more re- record, reputable uh, managers um, right. are at, obviously. So, yeah. Sure. Sure. All right. So that's match week 38. That's a wrap on that. Um, let's move on, shall we? Let's... Uh, Put a, let's let's hand out some awards and let's review this 2018-2019 season. All right, so we touched on some lasting impressions. I think we, we talked about our takes for Match Week 38 and kind of carried into what we wanted to talk about, lasting impressions. I think we're all in agreement that Atalanta might be the story um, of the 2018-2019 uh, season. Um, uh, Stephen, uh Beyond that, uh, give us another 
another take from the 2018-2019 season that you're going to remember this season from? I think personally for myself, this is going to be one that I'm going to remember for quite some time. Uh, not in terms of the way my team Lazio has played, but just in general for the league with Ronaldo coming at the start, attracting that huge amount of interest. We're actually able to see some of the study on matches or more of them, I should say. Uh, I'm in Canada where I am, at least. Um, but like you said, at the end of the season with uh, the relegation Europe, European places being decided on the final day, uh, that was quite hectic. I'll, I'll definitely remember that, even though uh, like Lazio was there last season. That was a heartbreak for me then. Uh, but but this year, it was good to see four different teams all going for the swats, obviously. It's, it's quite You don't see that every single day in every single league. So that was quite interesting. I, I think that seeing a lot of... Uh, Breakout players and, and players returning to form. Uh, we saw like Moiskin on Juventus, so Christoph Piatek. You saw Qualiarella, obviously, 36 years old, coming as a Capo Cananiere. Al Sharawi taking over for Roma. Um, and then finally, just obviously every single year, uh, there's some players that retire, and, and there are a lot of emotional scenes. I feel uh, in, the, in the last match, De, De Rossi being the one that's highlighted, but you can't uh, miss out on Polizia or Barzagli or Moretti. It was a lot of I feel this from an emotional standpoint. It was it was pretty good all the way around. Awesome, uh, Rafa. How about you? Well, the the thing that I think I'll remember uh, most about this season is the fact that you know Ronaldo coming in uh, opened the door for you know the the rest of the world to take a look at Serie A, even though Serie A was on a, a, a an ascend, if you ask me. When it comes to style of play, attacking football, you know, gone are the days of the Catenaccio, really, when you, when you think about it, you know, while still put, putting in some, some teams and players putting in some pretty good defensive, you know, um, um, football, it was mostly like, a, you know, attacking style football and, and, you know, excitement and, you know, Serie A is not the boring league that everybody else thinks it is. And it's been like that for some time, but I think it took the Ronaldos of the world to come in. Uh, you know, to to open the eyes of everybody, and the fact that you know that's got it's had more coverage throughout you know the U.S. and uh, Canada and the U.K. and throughout the world, I think, um, is is a little bit satisfying for me because you know um, <clears throat> uh, I've been we've all been saying for a while that Serie A is one of the most entertaining leagues, and now everybody can can get to see it. So I'm happy that Ronaldo came in for that. Um, uh, personally, for, for 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 like a monopoly standpoint, um, I'm 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 happy. I'm satisfied. There's a lot of uh, a lot of monopoly fans out there that that uh, disagree with me, and they're very upset with how uh, things turned out. But um, considering the you know considering the fact that that Juve Juve added the greatest player um, in the world to their side, uh, take him away from that side, and we might have. We might be talking about a different story, um, um, and to uh, I think the biggest thing for me is the the naysayers at the beginning of the season putting Napoli either between third or sixth or out of, out of Europe altogether, um, um, and us proving them wrong, uh, you know, by by doing what we do best and that's play attractive and entertaining football. That for me was was uh, you know. Um, enough for me to like to, to call this a successful season and and I think I'll take away um, the fact that Napoli are pretty much here to stay I think 
Well, when I did my prediction, I had you guys third, so I didn't have you out of the Champions League. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> a certain Italian newspaper that's uh, that's in pink, they decided it's too. Uh, and and, and oh, yeah. you guys who follow me know that I rag on them all the time about it, sure. and it's great because, you know, how can you predict <laughs> – we add Carlo Ancelotti to the team we already have. How do you predict us out of Champions League? It's bizarre. It's ridiculous. But whatever. <laughs> I just can't believe we have a Laziali on here, and, and he doesn't talk about his lasting impression being – I'm getting a trophy for the first time in God knows how long. <laughs> that as well. You got, you got to think of that. But it, it, it was it was a hard season overall. I feel as a fan, there, there was a lot of ups and downs. But you got to stick with it. And, and getting the Copa Italia again, yes, it, it was extremely good. Obviously, you don't see people go through a whole lifetime. I guess you could say watching at this. And for me personally, I'm just 20 years of age, so seeing them win. The trophies that they already have at this point uh, in my lifetime, it's definitely good to see. So, Absolutely. a victory against Atalanta, one of the, I'd say, best teams in the in the league this year. Overall, absolutely, it was good. Well, people used to love to crap on the Coppa Italia, but it's a trophy at the end of the day. It's the only other trophy in the league that's on offer, and you want to win that. And I'm very happy right. to have been able to see. You know, growing up as a kid, honestly, after the Maradona days, that's all I ever wanted was to watch Napoli win a Coppa Italia. <laughs> and we almost got to win it in '97 against Vicenza, and and we came up short, beating Inter in the in the semifinal. But being able to see that in '12 and '14 was for me was like just just amazing, you know. And if if that's what you know, obviously everyone wants to go forward, and Napoli are, are very capable of winning a Scudetto. But if that's where it ends, you know, I've seen it. You know what I mean? I've seen us lift a trophy and be called champions and have confetti splashed all over us. Um, and uh, is it? Is it? I think you know Lazio winning the Coppa Italia was important because they wouldn't have made they wouldn't have made Europe at the end of the day. I don't think would yeah, they? No, exactly. That's why they did just lose out. And, and I, I especially said myself on Twitter. I said they should just be playing a lot of their youth players, mixing up the lineup, and see what they kind of have to offer if their starting eleven isn't there. But they get the Super Copa against Juventus, which is one of the things I've just been seeing consecutively <laughs> over the past few years. Um, and then we have, uh, obviously, the Europa League. So it was good to add those two additions as well as to the trophy, too. I'm glad both of you guys are talking about the Coppa Italia because, Frank, you know, we, we come from an era with Berlusconi and Galliani where they gave no shits about the Coppa Italia. They're like, we don't care about it. We play our scrub players in that tournament. We just want to win Champions League and the Scudetto. And that irked me because I'm like, why don't you just try to win every trophy possible instead of just casting away the Coppa Italia when that's probably one you could win. That was such a culture though back you know for for sure. a while. I don't yeah, think anybody yeah, cared about the Coppa Italia for some reason. Because uh, I think because a lot of Italian teams were doing well in Europe and and you know um that might have had something to do with the diminishing also the format the format was always crap and then yeah i think it still is kind of crap but yeah. but you know it's it's i think what they're 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 building the they've built the final up to be this extravagant like you know end game you know and and i think that's that that helped a little bit you know because honestly before napoli juventus in 2012 i think there was inter and palermo in 2011 and and that was really the first time i think i've ever seen like a like a like a single game be like so like pomp and circumstance where like i i don't know i i just think that like 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 recently they've made such a bigger deal about Coppa Italia and it should be because it's a trophy you know it's it's, sure. it's silverware sure uh richard uh your your takeaway of the uh 2018-2019 season that's not atalanta <laughs> it's uh it's it's certainly gonna be one of the the, the seasons i'm gonna remember for a long time just because of 
how close it was. I mean, it's it's funny that the season started out with you know I'm well, you know to talk about you know Rafa and and Steven were talking about how Ronaldo coming to the league and drawing so much more attention. We got ESPN because of Ronaldo basically. Um, but it's it's kind of funny that the season started off with Juventus and Kievo. Those two teams pretty much you know distanced themselves from the rest of the pack. The rest of the pack cannibalized themselves because they were so close. Um, Juventus pulled away at the top because they were consistent. Kievo were also consistently poor, and they pulled away at the bottom. Um, and also with the, with the with the the point deduction didn't help at all. But um, yeah, just how how much the the teams in the middle just you know kept cannibalizing each other. Teams we thought were where contenders, you know, end up nearly getting relegated. Other teams uh, surprising us, like Torino and stuff like that. So, just uh, just the season in general, the the excitement, the ups and downs, uh, all the way to the last match day where we had several games at once that we were all looking at. I'm gonna remember that, you know, not so much, you know, uh, what Juve and Kievo did, but it's everybody in the middle what they did. It's it's gonna it held it held many people's attention span and, and brought a lot of people in um, that. Uh, but for the most part, would have been tuned out by the last match week. Yeah. For me, other than um, uh, Stephen's uh, Stephen Moore's first appearance on Serie A sit down being the uh, turning point in Lazio's season, where they could finally beat everybody that was at and around them in the top six, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. None of you found that amusing. Yeah. I mean, Richard, we get Stephen on, and Richard, we got Stephen on, and then Lazio start beating everybody. Let's see, good luck charm. Serie <laughs> <laughs> sit down karma, right? It it goes the and it would be happy, Stephen, because it goes in reverse for Roma. Because uh, yeah, whenever we yeah, whenever we line true. up a Roma guy on that weekend, they lose. So that's true. Do that multiple times at the season, then. <laughs> <laughs> we have in the past. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. I mean, my last uh, my, my my lasting impression of the 2018-29 season, and I'm gonna highlight I'm gonna highlight the bad. You guys highlighted the good. I'm gonna highlight the bad. Um, the racism and how Syria and how Italy handle it. It's oh yeah, we are so far behind, and Atrocious. it's so embarrassing, and it makes it so hard, you know, for all of us who you know either podcast or or write about calcio to continue to defend it because. It's run by so many old school people who have old school values and are not in tune with modern times, and it's it's embarrassing to hear chants. It's embarrassing, um, you know. And and we had you know Santangelo on a few weeks ago, and he and I were talking about this. And I said this this is a game for everybody, okay? And and Italy needs to get on the same page with everybody else and realize that this is a game for everybody. It was a very nice gesture very early in the season. Uh, when they had their campaign uh, to fight against domestic abuse, but as you know, they did that. That was fine, okay, and it was appreciated. But they are so far behind and so out of touch with how to deal with racism uh, in this game uh, that it gets very, very hard for the four of us, and and of course everybody else out there that has a passion for calcio to defend. Um, you know, I would like to see. Some people finally get into leadership positions where we're saying, okay, that's not tolerated anymore. Okay, you know, who's instigating it? Who's starting it? And it's, it, I mean, a lot of this is around ultras, um, lifetime bans for them. Okay, or some severe ban, hit them hard. Okay, do you like, do, do you do, do you like this game? Do you support your team? Support it the right way then. Okay, um, 
this is getting far too tiring to keep hearing this news, and then it goes to the FIGC, it goes to Legacetia, and they say, yeah, you know, we'll just tell the Ultras they can't come to this next game. It's just, who are you hurting? I mean, you're probably you're probably insulting those that were victimized by the racist abuse more than you're insulting the Ultras, because they're going to look at it and say, fuck it, we had, some, but we had something else to do that day anyway. We'll just come to the next one. So, you know, I, I'd like to see... I'd like to see this get nipped in the butt a little bit more. Um, I'm sure all of you guys would too. And uh, I, I just would, you know, for all of the good that goes on in Serie A, this is something that almost gets to, you know, sometimes surpasses the good that happens in Serie A. You get people that will tweet and say, wow, what a sham of a league or, or this or that. And people are saying that those sorts of things on social media. And for someone like me that loves watching Serie A every weekend, it's embarrassing because, you know, it happened. And rather than talk about some of the great action that happened, Richard and I now have to invest time in our podcast to talk about it. Rafa, you probably have to invest time in your podcast to talk about it. Steven, you have to write about it instead of, instead of being able to share what's, what's good about this game in Italy. So, you know, what I hope will happen, FIGC, Legacy, get your shit together when it comes to this. Because enough is enough. It's embarrassing. Um, and uh, I'd like to see it get cleaned up and we'd like to see action get taken. This is a game for everybody. Absolutely. I, I definitely feel the same way. And it, it was, for me, just, just hearing everything that was going on with the Lazio Ultras, I, I know a lot of them are are some of the main instigators that get seen everywhere, but it does happen with every club. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure why uh, the Ultras at Lazio feel that it's something that needs to be done, but just starting with like the chance towards Bakayoko and the Copa Italia, we, we've had a terrific run. We beat Milan and Inter, and yet the main talking points are the racism chance and everything that was happening surrounding them. And then we get to the final, and everyone goes, hey, I'm cheering for Atalanta. Every Serie A fan who wasn't a fan of Lazio or Atalanta, they're just neutrals. Or even the South fans in general, just because of what they've heard through Lazio throughout the season, it just it impacts the whole run and the whole club just in general. Because even Lazio, they don't support this. We've seen the players do it themselves. It's just it, I don't understand what goes through some people's heads sometimes when they make these actions. Obviously, so I mean, and 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 I'm guilty of being one of those who turn on the team itself because of the acts. Or fan groups out there, you know, I, I was one of them saying, well, you know, F Cagliari and F, you know, Lazio and F Inter and F, you know, who, whoever else were, you know, were instigating there. And, and you know, I just it, it, it's a reactionary, you know, tweet or statement from me because of the, you know, the, the, the fact that these ultras uh, somewhat represent the club, at, at, you know, in, in some you know, former fashion, but um, you know, I do also realize that it's you know, it, it, most of the you know personal are you know, and I say most because there's got to be some of them if some of them are also running the league, you know, and 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 the way I see it, the the ones that are running the league aren't doing anything about it, just turning a blind eye to it, and that's not the way you know. That's not the way it needs to happen. You know, uh, I got my buddy who uh, used to be on, uh, you know, the old Sempre with me, uh, Darren. Uh, he, he's a big proponent of, you know, st- uh, you know, closed closed stadiums and points deductions. And, 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 you know, that that would be taking it out on the team. But 
maybe that can open up some ultra groups eyes and and you know like like fan like radical fan groups eyes to say wait a minute you know now we're hurting our own club you know maybe we should maybe we should chill out but why should it have to take something like that for people to see that this is just wrong man it's just wrong what 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 year are we in you know what what era are we in don't and and the thing that always always baffles my mind is Lazio fans or Inter fans or Coyote fans will turn around and start monkey chanting at black players and they have black players on the pitch for their own team. Like, like why? Yep. That doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make any sense. So, so, so you're targeting a black player on another team like Moise Keane and Juventus, but Coyote's got a bunch of black players on their team. So what? everybody, every, every team has black players on their team. Every team has... Has, has, has players of different ethnicities. That's what, that's what the leagues have become about. It's gone to the days where you only have two or three internationals and everyone else is, is, you know, uh, uh, you know, domestic. You have, most of your team are international team players and, and, and from other countries and of other skin tones. What the hell is going on here? Like, right. you know, the, these ultra fans, they go out there and they're, they, they've got, They've got one thing on their mind, and it's it's running their shit. And it's it's it's. They, I truly believe they really don't care about their team. They care about themselves and the businesses that they run. And I say businesses because, you know, my father, you know, he may he may be an old Neapolitan, stubborn, set in his ways kind of guy, but he's smart enough to know what's going on. He's over in Naples now, and he called me up and he goes, Ralph. He goes, Ralph. He goes, he goes. The the fans over there don't like De Laurentiis because he's put a stop to a lot of like the ultras businesses and a lot of a lot of little businesses that they run, you know, uh, on behalf of, you know, on, like benefiting from their team. He's put a, he's put a stop to a lot of that crap. And that's why they don't like him, mm. you know, among other among other reasons. And I really feel like these ultras go out to these stadiums and they have their own agendas and, you know. You know we've got we've got to put a stop to it, whether it be club owners, the 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 um, people at the head of the Lega. I don't know, man. Juventus' PR department. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a whole other story. It's sad, man. It's just a yeah. sad. It's sad that we've got to be that nation to like, you know, we're we're Italy, we're a prestigious, you know, football nation, and right. we're also a laughing stock when it comes to stuff like that, man. Yep. Richard, uh, I, I, this guy's pretty much nailed it on the head. And, um, I mean, what more can you say? It's 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 despicable. You got to keep talking about it, right? Um, right. You, you talked about how, yeah, it was a touching gesture what they did with the domestic violence stuff early in the season, but uh, they need a they need a they need fresh blood, new blood <laughs> in the in the FIGC. All those guys need to go and just replace them all. Because um, they're obviously not, they don't, they're not getting it, and it's it's infuriating to each week trying to defend, you know, Syria when these guys make comments like, oh, you know, it's like, yeah, we'll give them a one game ban or you know whatever. I'm like, don't hurt, hurt the guys who actually do it. Don't hurt the entire fan base. You know, closing up the stadium for a game or whatever, that's stupid. You're hurting the whole fan base when 90 percent, 95 percent of the stadium didn't do it. Um, FIGC just need to get their shit straight, and and you need new bodies to do it. You're not going to do it with the guys who are there now because it's going to be the same shit. Every, it's a different day, so um, yeah, it's 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 pathetic that we got to keep talking about it because of their actions or inactions, I should say. 
Agreed. Agreed. Well, we're representatives of we consider we can all consider ourselves representatives of this sport in Italy of Serie A, and we all know what's right, and we can be proud of that. So, um, but we're also representatives that see the see what's actually going on on the pitch. So, you know, I've got no other better transition to go from that to handing out awards. So let's hand out some awards. <laughs> um, and we'll start with the goal of the season. I have a very suspicious feeling that this is going to be a unanimous decision. Uh, but P- uh, let's see what everybody's <laughs> opinion. Let's see what everybody's <laughs> opinion is on this panel. Um, what did you say, Pelissier? Yeah. <laughs> you want uh, you just see see you couldn't help yourself. You got to go at, the, at some point in the podcast. You have to bring up his name. That's right. Because <laughs> you're going to miss him. <laughs> Because it's not going to happen anymore, Frank. Yeah. That's right. Are you going to send? Are you going to send him a postcard? I am. I already have. You're okay. <laughs> I'm not surprised. My question is, would it have happened if if he'd stayed another season and played in Serie B too? He'd find a way to get Pelissi's name in there, wouldn't he, Frank? I'm sure he would have. <laughs> I'm sure. City, it's not Serie B. Sit down. <laughs> All right, goal of the season. I have a hunch this is going to be unanimous. Raffle is no, with you. There's no question, and it pains me to say, Quagliarella versus uh, Napoli. Richard, do you agree? That man, Quagliarella, had two of the top five goals this season, but that goal against Napoli was uh, something beautiful. I mean, absolutely number one. All right. We're, this is probably going to be the quickest one we go through. Uh, Steven. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> just both the goals from Qualiarella, the first against Napoli, and then obviously the second one against Chievo. Just the consistency yeah. he had, the scoring two wonder goals, probably the best two goals of the season. One from each side of the flank, one outside back heel, and the other one through his legs. I don't even know how he... He's 36 years old and he's doing that. I can't even do that 20, so I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah, we're, we're unanimous. The Serie A sit down, 2018-2019 uh, goal of the season. Fabio Qualiarella. Uh, against Napoli, uh, one that's just been burned into our minds. I think we all said it at the time that it happened. This is the goal of the season, and it's not even close. But I do want to throw just a couple honorable mentions out there from other players. Uh, Andrea Bolotti's uh, overhead kick against yeah. Sassuolo. Nice. Oh, um, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. The one a few he, weeks ago, right? Yeah. And he did that. That was the goal of the season last year. Yep. <laughs> it was. It was. Kick against Sassuolo. This year he's coming in. He's coming back with another overhead kick goal against Sassuolo, and it comes in second. So, uh, can I tell? Gallo. Can I? Can, can I really quick? Can I tell you that that was the early match, wasn't it? Wasn't that the early match of the week? Yeah. That goal. Yeah. I had my kids up with me watching it. We were getting ready for work, and we we nearly woke the whole house. Up, like my girlfriend and my other kid, we woke the whole house up. My my son Rocco and I from from, from that goal because I think like five minutes earlier he tried it and and failed at it yeah. at yeah, two yeah. two or, or at two one or something yeah. like that. And then he hits it to get it to to, to three two, and and we knew how how like that meant the goal that that goal meant how much that meant for Torino at the time too. So we were all kind of pulling for Torino. And just the way he scored, we just we just popped huge for it. It was great. Maybe Cairo has it in Belotti's contract that whenever you play Sassuolo, you got to score on an over. <laughs> Double salary or something like that for sure. Something like that, yeah. And then the other honorable mention, and I can't remember the opponent, but uh, Rolando Mandragora's goal. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Off the oh, chest. And-, and volleyed from 35 yards out. I mean, oh, that gosh. was just – I saw that. I was like, ooh. <laughs> Nangalan had a thunder strike at the end of the season as well a couple weeks ago too. So I mean, those are all freaking awesome honorable mentions that happened recently. 
Yeah. Uh, I also think. Uh, yeah. Even, I mean, we want to bring it up. I mean. Go ahead, Stephen. You know, those uh, chip the, when he faked those two defenders, or I think it was uh, who was it? I think it was the swallow when uh, Concili fell, and then it was also uh, who was it? The defender who fell with him when he chopped and fake shot and chipped the goalie. Zaniolo. The season, yeah, Zaniolo. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one was yeah. that one is up there too for me. Yeah, clearly no shortage of goals to pick from. Um, you know, Piontek scored uh, uh, the um, uh, at Atalanta the volley uh, on the long on the long cross from yeah. uh, Rodriguez was yeah. good too. Uh, I mean, but uh, I mean when Qualiola did that against Napoli, sorry Rafa, that was that was it. So you don't have to uh, have to apologize to me. Neapolitan uh, scoring on Napoli, and there was no hate, man. Everything's settled between Napoli and him. <laughs> we were already down to. And I think what made that what made that goal even better. He had the best defender in the world on him, and he's still scoring like that. Oh my god! There was no hate coming. Listen, it was early in the season. We were already down two 0 I looked at that, and I just my mouth went to the floor, man. I was sure. like, I can't believe that. Can't. How do you even get mad at that? I started laughing. It was amazing goal. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you can't, you just, you sit there, you, you, you sit there, you, you stand up and you applaud them. That's all you can do. I'm proud to say it was against us. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. All right. Uh, moving on. We get on to our young player of the season. Um, uh, Richard, we'll start with you on this one. Oh, that's uh, it's tough. Uh, there's a lot of good youngsters, a lot of good goal, young goalies that I like as well. But I think I'm gonna go with uh, someone Steven just mentioned a couple moments ago, uh, Nicolas Agnolo. Uh, performances he had for Roma, and re- in particular, like in the Champions League too, he had some big games. The one game he had a brace. Um, I-, I thought he he really jumped out at me uh, f- as for a youngster and who has now a lot of potential, also with the national team. So uh, he's definitely gonna be for me. Okay. Uh- not fighting you on that one. Uh, Steven, young player of the season. I'm going Moise Keane from uh, Juventus. I, I like the way he plays. I like the yeah. player and elegance he has. He's got the pace. He's got the skill. And Special he's player. Bridge. Yeah, I don't have a don't have a problem with that either. Uh, Rafa? You know, I got to give Napoli a little love here. And I'm going to go I'm gonna go Alex Merritt, man. I, I think he's vastly underrated in, in, in this league this season. Um, um you know, we can't forget Napoli finished in second, and they coasted. They coasted to it too, and 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 I think Alex Merda had more than a handful of brilliant saves and um, kept Napoli in a lot of games this season. Um, and, and I think that he deserves a Young Player of the Year award. Um, uh, just just because he's been he's been quietly v- important. Like his importance to the team this year was, like, I mean, you, you know, we we you tweeted out uh, the um, the twenty three uh, with uh, you know the best twenty three that I challenged you right. to do from yeah, and I'd put Merritt in there instead of Koulibaly where the whole world picked Koulibaly, and I just think Merritt was Merritt's contribution to the team this year was 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 like went over a lot of people's heads. I think he he played a fantastic season, and he's such a bright star for the future. Yeah, I definitely uh, definitely like his game, and he's definitely got a lot of promise. Um, I uh, I'm with you there. Do I pick one of these three uh, and declare that as the Serie A player? Young pick player another one. Pick s- another one. Who's yours? Ooh, I am going in a different direction, uh, and I will go with the. Uh, I am going with the goalkeeper, and I'm going with Alessio Cranio of Cagliari. Um, nice. I. Fair. 
A Cali to give. I'm okay. Okay, fine. You you take a look at the st- statistics and you see Cali to give up 54 goals in Serie A this season. If it wasn't Canio and goal, they would have given up 80. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you know he. I think he played a big, big part. Now, Cagliari has players like Padella and Chigarini in the midfield who were influential. Pavoletti scored some key goals. Joao Pedro was instrumental. Whoever they put at fullback because they rotated those guys a lot. Usually you would see Santa and Pellegrini, and then you would see Lico Giannis and um, I can't remember the other guy's uh, name. Um, oh, Cacciatore. Uh, there was a rota- so they had a rotation of fullbacks, but – Cragno kept them in games uh, as bad as Calgary would be defensively in a lot of in a lot of spots and, uh, you know, made some key saves. So, you know, I am uh, I am for Cragno. So how here's how we're going to break this tie. Um, Rafa, you picked uh, or Richard, you picked Zaniolo. Uh, Steven, you picked Ken. Uh, Rafa, you picked Merritt okay. and I picked Cragno. OK, so now we're going to do this over again. Richard, you have to pick somebody other than. You have to pick one of the four players' names, but you got to pick somebody other than Zan, uh, other than the player you picked. Moise Kane. Okay, Stephen. Stephen. Zaniolo. Okay, so it's two two Zaniolo and Kane. Uh, Rafa. I'll go Kane. <laughs> I should be a dick and pick Zaniolo, so we have to do this <laughs> over again. <laughs> I'm going to go with Ken. Uh, so our young player of the season, the Serie A sit-down, young player of the season is Moise Ken of Juventus. Um, no fight if you want to say Nicolo Zaniolo. He obviously uh, you know, had a bright start to the season. The two goalkeepers were very, very good. But, yeah, when it comes down to it, when Moise Ken was called on, and I get it that Juventus had things pretty comfortably in Serie A at the time that he was, he still scored some key goals, scored the winner against Milan, scored against Cagliari under some very intense circumstances, which we discussed previously, um, and proves that he's got the game to uh, uh, to be the future goal scorer for the old ladies. So uh, Moise Ken is the Serie A sit-down young player of the season. All right, I'm moving surprised. on. Let's... I'm surprised nobody said Piatek. Uh, he just, well... He's a victim of how Milan played, you know, down the stretch. I mean, I think that he's got 25 goals a season in him. Um, but Milan, which is so slow, so dull, so predictable. And Donnarumma's another name. We, uh, Frank and I were talking about, everyone see, feels like he's 26 because he's been in the league for so long. But he's only like, what, 19? So, you know, that's another player that you could name. But based on the circumstance of Milan, you know, you kind of overlook it. Sure, right. sure. Um, you know, and I think that... He, he was a victim of a lack of chances, and I think that had, that had a lot to do with Milan's setup. I mean, Suzo doesn't do him any favors with the way he plays because he almost, when he runs in, runs inside with the ball, he gets in Piontek's way. Um, you know, for him to thrive in the in the final third of the pitch, he needs wide guys that are going to stay wide and cross balls in. Um, Suzo doesn't like to do that. He wants to be Arjen Robin. We've talked about that a ton. Um, it started to open up a little bit for him. You know, and when you got guys like Suzo and Chalhanolu flanking you, you're not going to see a lot of crosses coming in from them. You're going to hope that fullbacks get forward for crosses, and then after that, all that's going to be left for you for goals are that you're going to hope that you can poach poach some from deflections or, you know, goalkeepers mishandling the ball and things like that. So, you know, I think Piontek just kind of fell by the wayside, and it was largely because of the way that Milan played down the stretch and really couldn't produce anything. So he, you know, he just was a victim of the way Milan played, unfortunately. Um, to not be included in this discussion. So, 
so now before we get to some more prestigious awards, let's uh, get the junk out of the way. Uh, the four of us collaborated and picked a crap on a cra- the crap on a cracker eleven for the 2018-2019 season. Uh, no truth to the rumor that when we uh, did this over uh, Messenger on Twitter that Richard actually picked 12 players for this team. <laughs> there were that many crap players. Well, there's no truth to the rumor because no the rumor truth. wasn't true. It was actually a reality. He picked 12 <laughs> players. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm going to uh, just go through this because I don't want to spend a lot of time on bad players, but this is what we got. Goalkeeper, we all were unanimous. Robin Olsen of Roma was just garbage. Um, and then we played a we did a four we did a four five one with this system. Uh, the defenders uh, Francesco Zampano of Frosinone, Frederic Vesili of Empoli, Federico Barba of Chievo, and Fabio De Paoli of Chievo. Um, Stephen, the Chievo guys are <laughs> real contributors to the demise of that team. Just poor defensively. Yeah, very very. Uh, it was all, all around. Uh, you can't just even look at the defenders, but they were definitely there as well. It was a team as a whole. It just it never got better for them. It just got worse and worse, and they just continued trending downhill the entire season. Yep, for sure. Um, midfielders, uh, Nicola Rigoni of Kievo, uh, Filip Bradovic of Cagliari, Diego Lachselt of Milan, Antonio Candreva of Inter, and Javier Pastore of Roma. Um, Rafa Bradovic had some degree of fanfare to him at Cagliari, and then he just kept getting outplayed by guys like Cigarini and Barella. Yeah, he, he'd come in with a little bit of steam to him, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of of you know expectation from him but he was just awful this season i i, I mean i can't even i i don't know i there's not a lot to say there's not a lot to say to be honest with you he's he was very poor he was very poor on a poor team too you know yep. but um you know maybe you know there might be some hope for next season if he'll, if he'll still be on there but sure Sure, maybe a season to get his feet wet, especially with because he did, he was decent prior to that when playing with you know when the spot duty with Croatia in the World Cup. So sure, sure, sure. You know he came he came from that, and you know and that's the thing about these these tournaments. You know you you, you use these tournaments to like look at the look at the you know the bright stars, the young the youth, and you know I, I always I always see these tournaments. You know as much as I love international football, I also see them as as an avenue to look at these up and comers or, or, or these no names turned, you know, big names. And he was one of them, man. He was, he was pretty, pretty decent for that team, man. And, and, you know, just didn't work out. Sure. Sure. And our forward is Patrick Sheik of Roma. Richard, uh, what a difference two years makes. Cause when the first year we were doing this, I sit down, I mean, we were just talking about him being the next great striker in Serie A and in world football. And then he goes to Roma and it's not that he can't get into the team because of Aiden Jekyll. He got plenty of opportunities. He stunk every opportunity he got. Yeah, well, at one time we were calling him the next Dennis Bergkamp or Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, you know, he's on the verge of joining Juventus and then fails the medical, and now he's at Roma, and he's the current Javier Prestore. He just can't – you know, he's had plenty of opportunities with Jekyll, not in the lineup, and he cannot capitalize on it. I don't know if he's just thinking too much or, or trying to be – uh, you know, top ten goals of the week every week, and and just thinking, trying too hard. I don't know what it is, but um, he may need to just ch- change the scenery because it's not working out whatsoever at Roma right now. Yeah, for sure, uh, for sure. So, uh, so, so that is our uh, crap on a cracker eleven once again. Robin Olson, Fran- Francesco Zampano, Frederic Vesely, Federico Barba, Fabio De Paoli, Nicola Rigoni, Filip Braric. Diego Laxalt, Antonio Candreva, Javier Pastore, and Patrick Schick. 
Steven, quickly, any snubs from that team? Anybody worse than the 11 we picked? Ooh, um, definitely. Um, I think uh, Wallace, <laughs> my friend Wallace on that uh, line. <laughs> nice. Uh, where's Wallace is, is, uh, is what happened this season. I, I don't know where he went. He, he proved up Ronaldo when they played against Juventus, and then I just felt like every time he stepped up on the pitch, he just felt uncomfortable. Uh, didn't look good in the back three at all. Tried to play out, but was just... Uh, he just couldn't play out of the back with his feet. Uh, he, he's very good. Uh, I know why Simone Inzaghi likes him is because he tries to find uh, the strikers and the attackers properly, but just he makes too many mistakes to be on a team competing for Champions League football. It's just, it's, it does, did not work out at all. Rafa, a dishonorable mention for you? I'm going to have to go um, Mario Rui or or Yusai. Really, the two, the two um, uh, you know, guys on the on the on the 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 wings and the defense there um you know what for Napoli they just weren't well Mario Rui was existing he just sucked and and I I don't th- I don't think there's a Napoli fan out there that that disagrees with me although he did get a a match winner <laughs> not too long ago as a matter of fact <laughs> but uh but uh Husai really for me was was just kind of like gone I think I think the the fact that he could have gone to Chelsea last summer and then there was the 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 transfer ban that was that was imposed uh pretty much keeping him with Napoli or or whatever I think I think uh I think that was uh played on his mind a lot and and I'm not too sure he's happy here anymore I don't I don't I'm not 100% sure but he just didn't play like he was existent you know I think the fact that we're strongly looking for um, you know, you know, guys on the guys on the wing and the defense back there. That uh, I think that's the reason. You know, I think I think he knew he was gone. I think he had a the door. I, I don't know, but Hussey to me really didn't play a lot. Okay, play to his potential. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Richard, dishonorable mention for you. Uh, two actually, Cholito Simeone, um, who you know last year had a great season. We thought he was going to help uh, Fiorentina this year really get into maybe that European fight, and they he he tanked the team tanked. And another one, maybe it's not going to be a popular opinion, but uh, Suzo, uh, he did score a lot this season, a lot. He scored seven goals, ten assists, but he was he's a frustrating player, man. He thinks he's Arjen Robben, as we talked about many times. He often fades away from games. He's in, he's in maybe ten percent of the games, and that you know that ten percent that he's in there, he'll maybe get a maybe get a goal in there, maybe not. But uh, he's he's a frustrating player to watch, uh, and it doesn't help the team at all when you're so non-existent in a game. I'll, I'll go with you and say Suzo. though. I I think my uh, if anybody follows me on Twitter, they know my opinion of him. So. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so, but uh, all right. So we all decided to just dump on somebody from our the teams we support. So <laughs> I, th- I think that we're unanimous though on the on the coach, right? I think we're unanimous on the coach. Uh, oh, Vincenzo uh, crap Montella. on a cracker coach. Yeah, Vincenzo yeah. Montella. Because he 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 took a talented Fiorentina team and nearly relegated it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any I don't think there's any doubt about that. God, I wish they were relegated. Uh, I nah, d- 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 a a Serie A without Fiorentina would have been very hard to stomach for me, in my opinion. But it is okay. So now let's hand out the team of the season here for the Serie A. Sit down, uh, collaborate on this a little bit because we all had different opinions. Okay, so goalkeeper, uh, we're actually split. Uh, uh, Rafa and Richard say Handanovic. Uh, Steven and I say Sirigu. So who do we pick? Hmm. 
Hmm, that, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, both were both were stellar. You know, Hanamich has the shutouts. Sirigu has the the eye candy. Really, he has has a big saves, big penalty saves. It's hard hard to pick. We need eye candy on this idiot. Yes. Sit down. What do you think? We do need eye candy. I, I think I think we go Handanovic, uh, and not just because I picked him, <laughs> but <laughs> but you know uh, I think he was pretty instrumental in getting Inter to the Champions League, especially on the final match day. He was big on that you, last you, game. You, you said yeah, you guys say you know how did Empoli not convert those goals? I think Handanovic is why Empoli yeah. didn't convert those goals, and he came up so big, especially in the last what like like half hour, twenty minutes of the game. Um, I think just because they made Europe and um, Sirigu didn't because that's a great shout too. Sirigu and that entire Torino defense. I mean, my my eleven had two two Torino guys on defense, so hmm. uh, it's tough. But I think I would go Andanovic if we're gonna have to go between the two of them. I'd say Andanovic. Steven, should we buckle on this? I think so. Like obviously, both really instrumental. I feel to to both the respective teams and seeing Torino really strive. Obviously, of course, because of their defenders as well, like we've mentioned, Denkulu and uh, Ito, they were incredible, but. Uh, Handanovic just dealing with all that he dealt with and keeping them is cool, I guess, in all in, in all the situations that he's put through. I, I think we can uh, conform to Handanovic. Okay, works for me. Um, all right, so uh, that means our goalkeeper of the season is Samir Handanovic, and I will go with this. I mean, I think he made a bunch of saves in big games to help Inter, uh, you know, get to that Champions League spot. So he was very instrumental. Uh, de- demonstrated some leadership for an Inter that was in turmoil at the time as well. So, um, so yeah, let's just go with Sami Handanovic as our goalkeeper of the season and our goalkeeper in our team of the season. Just over Sel- Sirigu makes the substitutes, benches the backup. So absolutely. Yep. So there's uh, there's no problems there. All right, defenders. Um, looking at our picks. All right. So Stephen went with a three-man defense of Acerbi, Romagnoli, and Koulibaly. Uh, Rafa, you went with a back four of Ansaldi, Koulibaly, Itzo, and Alexandro. Uh, Richard, you went with uh, Cancelo, Acerbi, Koulibaly, and Masiello. And then I went with Lazzari, Koulibaly, Chiellini, and Biragi. Uh, we have Koulibaly unanimous in our uh and we're gonna play. We're, we'll do a four-three-three. Does that sound good to everyone? That's good for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Koulibaly is in as one of our central defenders. All right. And uh, we have to decide between Armando Itzo and uh, Francesco Acerbi. And I will let's let's uh, leave this to a vote between Rafa, Richard, and myself, uh, since uh, Acerbi is a Lazio player. So we won't <laughs> want to leave the. <laughs> It's only fair, you know. It's you know, the, 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 if 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 there's a player that involves, you know, you support the player, then you got to leave the room. It's just kind of how it works. I'm sorry, Steve, and I hope you're not offended. I'm not. It is what it okay. is. Okay. All right. So the three of us will put it to a vote. Is it Armando Itzo or is it Francesco Acerbi? Rafa, you're first. Ah, uh, well, I mean, I picked Itzo, so I might have to say Itzo. But I honestly, uh, you know, uh, Coppa Italia win. Um, you know they 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 finished just under Torino in this in the in the standings. Um, 
So I don't know, man. I'm really split. I think I, I think you know. I think we can go at Cherby. I think a we'll Cherby? go at Cherby. Yeah, Rich, yeah. Richard. You know, Lazio were really hurting last year after they lost Devry. You know, going to Inter at the end of the season. Um, they needed leadership. They needed someone who could stand up and lead that back line. I think Echerbi. Yeah, I love what Ito did this year for for Torino. Scored some timely goals, but I think Echerbi stepped up, uh, played some fantastic defense there, showed some real leadership with the team, and and provided some goals. Um, and he had some uh, some some nice fiery moments in the in the Milan games too. So uh, he's I, I I love Ito, but I I go with Echerbi. Okay, so Francesco Echerbi, that's unanimous for me. Francesco Echerbi, there you go, Stephen. Congratulations, we put a Lazio player. In the team of the season, Francesco Cherby and Kalidou Koulibaly are our center backs. All right, let's go to right back. Um, uh, Rafa has Ansaldi. Richard has Cancelo. I have Lazzari. Uh So, Stephen, break the tie. Which of those three would you pick? Uh, Manuel Lazzari. Absolutely. All right. All right. That's why I have you on. <laughs> Checks in the mail. Manuel Lazzari of Spal is our right back in the team of the season. So uh, left back. Uh, Richard somehow thinks Masiello is a left back. I wanted to get him in the team, all right? I need him on the team. <laughs> you got you to gotta shift somehow, man. That's right. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, Rafa has Alexandro, and I have, uh, I have Cristiano Beraghi. Uh, so again, Steve, uh, again, Steven, since, uh, since uh, you didn't have a, really have a left back in your team, break the tie. Uh, is it Beraghi? Is it uh, Alexandro, or is it Masiello? Uh, I, I think I'm going to have to say Alexandro. Uh, okay. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> How quickly he can change on you, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Midfielder. I mean, the Scudetto winner should have a couple players on there, no? Uh, At least yeah, one. Definitely Alexandro. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have a problem with Alexandro. Uh, I thought Piragi was very good in a very trying situation and was maybe even when Fiorentina were having their struggles was the one right. player that was still right. consistent. So, um, you know, and he was in our midseason team. I thought that that could carry over, but Alexandro, I'm not going to fight anybody on. That's fine. So our back four, all right, we have Handanovic in goal. Back four is Manuel Azzari, Khalidou Koulibaly, Francesco Acerbi, and Alex Sandro. All right, midfielders. Um, let's see. So, uh, well, uh, Steven has Lazzari in a midfield, but we've got him in defense. So Steven's three midfielders, he's got Stefan El Sharawi, uh, Papu Gomez, and Fabian Ruiz. Um, let's see. So uh, Rafa has and Fabian Ruiz. He also has Ronaldo and Dries Mertens in attacking uh, positions. He kind of set up a 4-2-2-2 in his team of the season. Um, Richard has Pjanic, Zielinski, and Froiler. Um, so we're all over the place on this. Zielinski, huh? Yeah, that's a good take. Now, I have Brozovic and Fabian Ruiz as midfielders, and I guess we can throw um, Papu Gomez in there. So uh, let's put Fabian Ruiz in there because it seems like we have a consensus on that. Would we agree? Yeah. Yeah, I think he could get a shout for like a like – a, a, Young player, honorable mention too. I, he's only like 20, 21, and uh, just broke into the Spanish national team through Napoli and was really a sensation, having to fill Jorginho's boots, you know, um, with a new manager coming in and you know a, a, a new, a, you know, a new, a new, you know, like a Jorginho 
uh, you know, replacement really filled the shoes well. So I think he deserves it. Okay. Uh, so uh, we will put Fabian Ruiz and Papu Gomez in this midfield. Um, now the remaining midfielder, I have Marcelo Brozovic. Uh, Richard has uh, Pjanic, Zielinski, and Freuler. Um, and then Rafa, you have uh, like well, you have Ronaldo or you have Gomez and Fabian. I'm going to say Ronaldo and Mertens for attacking positions. Okay. Um, and then uh, let's see. Uh, Steven, you're pretty unanimous. So we're going to take a look at one of these remaining three that Richard picked from. Uh, so there's Remo Freuler, there is uh, Miralem Pjanic, and there is uh, Piotr Zielinski. Um, so, Rafa, since there is a player involving your team in this, you're out of this vote. No, I'm uh, fine with that. <laughs> okay, Richard, uh, out of those three, who would you put in this team? Um, I mean, uh, you said Papo's already in it? Yeah, Papu and uh, Fabian Ruiz are in. All right. Um, We're deciding between Pjanic, Zielinski, and Freuler. I mean, Pjanic is pretty clutch for Juventus. I mean, they're all they're all good players, but Pjanic is uh, a little bit a little bit more class than those guys. I don't know if he had a better season then, but I'm going to go with a Juventus player. Okay, Steven? I kind of I disagree. I feel like uh, Freuler uh, <laughs> would be that one there. I felt like Pjanic kind of dropped in form this season compared to what we've seen him in uh, recent times. I'm not fighting yeah. him. I'm going to go with Freuler, too, because I think he also gives this midfield a little bit more balance than Pjanic does. But I think that also Freuler outperformed Pjanic this season, in my opinion. And maybe a lot of it had to do with the fact that Pjanic really didn't have as much to do, you know, as he has as he's had in seasons past. Well, he so. lost his free kick turns, too, but anyway. Oh, yeah, I mean, he, he knew that was going to happen. <laughs> when pretty boy came over. All right, so Remo Freuler makes our team of the season. Uh, so we have a three-man midfield of Fabian Ruiz, Remo Freuler, um, and uh, actually, any any shouts for Marcelo Brozovic of Inter? Uh, I don't think so. I think I'm happy with those three. Okay, yeah, let's go with. I like I like those three. Okay, we'll go with Freuler. Okay, so our three-man midfield is Papu Gomez, Fabian Ruiz, and, and Remo Freuler. We are putting this together as you are listening. Aren't you people excited? History. Yeah, history. History. We usually do this before, but we said so many different ideas that we decided let's uh, let's collaborate. Okay, so the attackers. Um, okay, so Steven has uh, Duvan Zapata, Fabio Quagliarella, and Christoph Piantek. Uh, Rafa has Cristiano Ronaldo, Dries Mertens, Duvan Zapata, Fabio Quagliarella. Um Richard, Mertens, Quagliarella, Papu Gomez. This was his 10th, 11th, and 12th players for the best. He picked both <laughs> for the best too. And uh, I had uh, Papu, Ronaldo, and Quagliarella. Uh, so um, Quagliarella, I think, is our striker. There's no questions asked. He's the Capo Canonieri. I don't think we need to debate that. Correct. Okay. All right. Ronaldo? Do we go Ronaldo, Quagliarella, and Mertens? I think that's fair. Steven? I guess that's fair. Um, I kind of feel that Zapata and Piatek, uh, in addition to Quagliarella, the reason why I chose those three is just because all of them were really prolific for the team that they were playing for. Zapata kind of broke out. Piatek played well for Genoa. There's a lot of debate when he went to Milan, but he still kind of performed when he went there. And obviously, 
Claudio Arella we're, we're all unanimous on. So uh, I'm happy with Mertens as well. I thought he played well, even though yep. he didn't really score as much because uh, he had, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? No, uh, Milik pulling uh, back on I mean, Fortnite. Yeah, but uh, 16 goals, 11 assists. I mean, that's yeah, that's not that's not bad, you know. That's, oh no, not at all. Yeah. yeah. All right, so that concludes it. The Serie A sit down team of the season in goal: Sami Handanovic. Back four: Manuel Atsari of Spal, Khalidou Koulibaly of Napoli, Francesco Cerbi of Lazio, Alexandro of Juventus. Midfield: Fabian Ruiz of Napoli, Remo Froiler of Atalanta, Papu Gomez of Atalanta. And in attack, Dries Mertens of Napoli, Cristiano Ronaldo of Juventus, and Fabio Quagliarella of Sampdoria. We would smoke everybody that uh, tried to play us with that 11, wouldn't That's we? That's right. Yep. So, and, uh, you know, substitutes. You got, I mean, we talked about Sirigu, Itzo, uh, Zapata, and Piantic, as you mentioned. Uh, some honorable, other honorable mentions. Richard uh, Pjanic would certainly. Uh, find a way to that substitutes bench, no problem there. Chiellini, I think, would be another one. Sure. Um, so, Darun, maybe. Martin Daron. So plenty of players that had excellent seasons, but we feel that this is the strongest eleven that we can put together, uh, given the seasons that everybody had. Now, on to the manager of the season, uh, Richard. Who is? I think this is going to be a quick one and a unanimous one, but uh, let's try it anyway. Richard, your manager of the season is Giampiero Ventura. No, uh, <laughs> Gasparini. Gasparini. <laughs> You so wanted Ventura to stay at Kievo and bring them up. <laughs> you would have relegated them earlier. Yeah. Steven, manager of the season for you? Gian Piero Gasparini. Yep. Rafa? Gian Piero Gasparini. Yeah, this is unanimous. Gian Piero Gasparini, although had Empoli survived, oh, uh, yes. I would have I would have given this to Andrea Zoli, considering that he was sacked. Uh, and then recalled to save this team from relegation and to come so desperately close. So an honorable mention for him. Mazzari as well. Honorable mention for Walter Mazzari. And uh, Rafa, I will be with you on what you said on Twitter. I I will give it to Carlo Ancelotti for being able to... You know, try you know to attempt to mold the team the way he wants it, but being able to give up the reins to his players uh, right. and turn Saudi ball loose where it was necessary, and I think that that was a big key to Napoli finishing second. Right, and you know, just the the fact that that you know he he's he, nobody expected him to to copy Saudi's ninety one points from last season, um, but but there was a lot of questions, there was a lot of disappointment in not bringing in the quote-unquote big player that everybody was talking about when we first signed him i remember being on with uh you know with 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 sempre when it was still sempre and 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 us just going oh no we're gonna get benzema we're gonna now it's gonna be uh, uh you know yep. are we gonna get cristiano ronaldo now is this, this is gonna be great but you know he was able to maintain the same team he had, uh, but he was able to ro- rotate more, and he was able to use his players, and he was able to see what he had with 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 what Saudi had, and 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 now he can go ahead and get w- what he wants, and and I just think he did a, a, a an absolutely fantastic job. They dropped off a little in the second half, but for me, uh, Ancelotti definitely deserves honorable mention. No. Problem there, and then a shout for you, Stephen, for uh, Simone Inzaghi bringing Lazio a trophy this season. Definitely, uh, through the up and downs, he did stick with it all the way, and he was always positive. So I have to give it to him for that. I'm one of the people who would like uh, Inzaghi to stay in the midst of all this transfer speculation and rumors uh, that that's going on right now in terms of the managerial roles. Uh, 
definitely to bring them that trophy. You could see how much it meant to him and the whole club just as a whole. Uh, even the players, even mentioning him, saying we're we're happy for him and just in general. So definitely a mention to him for just not not just the Copa Italia, but definitely the whole season as well. Indeed, indeed. So plenty of opportunities, but Giampiero Gasparini does earn uh, our vote for manager of the season. So the Serie A sit-down manager of the season, Atalanta's Giampiero Gasparini. And finally, on to the player of the season. Uh, Steven, who is your choice? The Capo Cananiere. Definitely uh, Fabio Qualiorella. Okay. Rafa? All right. I'm going to have to go Qualiorella as well. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with people who would say Ronaldo. Um, he might not have had the greatest stats that he's ever been able to produce, but I really, really feel like he's the reason Juventus won the Scudetto. He's the main reason they won the Scudetto again. I think without Ronaldo on that pitch, Juventus was very beatable, and it showed sometimes with Ronaldo on the pitch. So I think that him, his presence alone could make him the player of the season. But I'm going to go Quagliarella because she's just amazing. Okay, Quagliarella with uh, Ronaldo as an honorable mention. Uh, Richard, player of the season. Rafa, you're my boy, right? But I'm going to have to disagree with your Ronaldo comment. I don't think he warrants anything even close to being mentioned of player of the season, in my opinion. That's it. That's <laughs> okay. my opinion. opinion as well. I can agree. Okay. okay. No, no, I, I just think that because of the impact he had on the team. Oh, sure, know, sure. No, yeah, I'm just saying in my, this is just my, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. Uh, the way, who, number one for me, my player of the season is Fabio Cagliarello. No, no, him, no doubt about it. My runner up, my, my honorable mention, Dries Merton, 16 goals, 11 assists. Um, yeah. very underrated season this year. He, the numbers were dropped off from last year or whatever, but I mean, he was overall pretty, pretty, pretty damn good. So, uh, those are my top two there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, um, because you guys have all said Fabio Quagliarella is the uh, is your player of the season. He is the Serie A sit-down player of the season. However, um, I'm going in a different direction. Uh, my player of the season is Alejandro Papu Gomez of Atalanta. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, he has been the constant in Atalanta uh, going forward. He has been the linchpin of this attack, uh, and while the you know, statistics, you know, might not be as sexy as Dries Merton. Seven goals, 11 assists, just a multitude of chances that he created, uh, whether it was for Ilicic, whether it was for Duvan Zapata, whether it was for midfielders bombing forward because Proiler and Darun scored their goals. Um, you know, the danger that he creates on set pieces, the havoc that he creates uh, with the ball at his feet. Um, he made defenders quake all season long. He was the... Uh, uh, he was the constant in what Atalanta were doing going forward and uh, a huge part of why Atalanta are in the Champions League next season. So uh, I give him my my own personal vote with Fabio Quagliarella coming in second. Uh, but because the three of you have decided Quagliarella, he is our Serie A sit-down player of the season, the old man, uh, Capo Cananieri winner for Sampdoria. So... Uh, those are our awards. Go to at City I Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Who are your Who is your team of the season? Did you agree with our picks? Do you agree with the manager? Do you agree with our player of the season? Young player, goal. Have at it. You know, take your shots at us or agree with us, whichever you want to do. We're going to quick finish up with a 2019-2020 season outlook. All right. 
right. And Stephen, let's start with the Mercato as you work with uh, Di Marzio. Um, and uh, we all look forward to, uh, you know, this silly season that will come upon us um, with, uh, you know, transfers, rumors, players doing this play. We're already getting a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of information uh, in the season just finished, what, two days ago. So um, we'll start with you uh, taking the lead on this and uh, maybe giving us some details on what we can look forward to and some players to watch in the uh, summer mercato. Definitely, yeah. So I, I feel like a lot of this is going to have to do with the manager changes that are occurring within uh, the top sides here. Uh, like I mentioned approximately, I think it was two weeks ago or so, and I just came back to it yesterday after all the announcements that were just made uh, through Gianluca De Marzio. But you have Juventus, Inter, Milan, Roma, Lazio, and Sampdoria. All of those teams, the managers are, it's a 50-50, if not higher rate that they could be leaving the team. So with this happening, we see that uh, there's potentials of Conte coming to Inter. Um, there's Sadio or Inzaghi talks to Juventus. Uh, Gattuso was even uh, relieved of his duties today, as we saw. Um, Ranieri is going to be gone from Roma. Gianpaolo from Sampdoria. Whoever goes to these teams, I feel, are going to have a different uh, a formation or tactics that they're going to try to implement. So they're going to want to try to sign different players. Um, but I do feel that one position, uh, just in general, throughout everything is uh, that's going to be very big and very popular is the market for right backs. Um, we've already seen so far with Di Lorenzo. Um, there's Manuel Azzari, Hans Hattabor, Timothy Castagna, Haisaj from Napoli, um, Abate, uh, Ola Aina. A lot of these players, I feel, are going to be going to higher teams or different leagues, just depending on what happens. Um, I, I think Di Lorenzo is a popular one right now for Napoli. Uh, we have Manuel Azzari, who is linked to Lazio multiple times, and in, in addition to uh, Davide Zapacosta. Um, so overall, I think the market for right-backs um, is going to be very big. Uh, but there's also several rumors, uh, just even with teams like Empoli, per se, who are going down to the Serie B. Um, we have Giovanni Di Lorenzo, Radek Runic, Ismael Beneser, and Botel- Bartolomeo uh, Dragovski. So, um, of course, he's leaving on loan uh, back to Fiorentina to go uh, to that team. So we'll see what happens, as you said earlier. He's probably going to have many suitors. Um, but there are also talks of Napoli today. Uh, signing Benacer. So um, we'll see how that progresses. But I feel like uh, a lot of these players on Empoli that really helped them bring them to Serie A in the first place, I don't think they're going to stay with them as they go back down to the City B. So a lot of those players there are going to be looked at um, all season. And we'll definitely see uh, through some of them as they are uh, international players, such as Brunici plays for Bosnia, uh, Benacer for Algeria. So we'll see uh, them in action over the summer as well. So that's a, a start, I'd say, to watch over the Mercato, but there's definitely a lot of players that are a lot more that are question marks, but that, the time will come for that later on in the season, or in the uh, summer, I should say. I'll follow up first, and I'll give Rafa and Richard a chance to ask you some questions here. Um, as, as it pertains to Milan, stories are already coming out that, uh, uh, you know, Catuso's out, Leonardo's out, you know, Maldini probably considering a new Milan role at this point. Um you know, a lot of uncertainty with what's going on there. And as you said, you know, who steps in as manager at these places, including Milan, are going to dictate uh, what the transfer policy is going to be. You know, but as far as where they're at with the financials and some of the stories that have been coming out there, stories are already coming out that uh, Arsenal have a bid for Gianluigi Donnarumma. Um, do you see Donnarumma being a piece that moves? Do you see, you know, you know, maybe Milan moving a couple of people? What do you see as the outlook specifically for Milan here in the summer? 
for for Milan, I think they're going to have a lot of changes. It's kind of with it starts with management, and they've already taken a stab at that. We see that even Maldini might be leaving too uh, in the coming days, he's pondering his future. But you guys have uh, Higuain that came over the summer; it didn't really work out. Um, Caldara came as well. Um, I, I feel like he would have had a huge impact um, in the season just in general if he was able to stay match fit and play alongside Romagnoli at the back. But I really like what. Milan is doing with the Italian back uh, core and kind of keeping the core of the team um, Italian. I think that Donnarumma has a big part in that. And, and like you've said, Donnarumma has already made over 100 appearances, I'm pretty sure, for uh, for Milan. And he's a big part of that team. We already feel like we've seen him for so many years, but he's only just 19, 20 years of age. He's, he's got a long way and a long career to go. So I don't think personally that Arsenal, um, out of all teams, would be one to sign him. Um, I feel like he'd be staying there. I think there were talks of him leaving to a, a bigger side last summer, but uh, the, the talks, it's just all, it's like the same thing with Milkovic Savic on Lazio, right? You, you get these big bids for the players, it gets in their head, they're young, it has an effect on how they actually play overall. Um, so at the, at the end of the day, I do feel he will stay um, with Milan, but <sighs> same with Inter and Milan. They want to make the Champions League, they want to stay in the Champions League and have a good push within these competitions. So I, I feel like a lot of sales... Uh, of players such as Ch- Chalanoglu, such as Suso. Um, they've brought in Piatek, which is a good addition, but, and same with, uh, d- just, uh, cool, Brazilian player who just got signed from Sao Paulo. I'm forgetting his name right now. Uh, Paqueta. Yes, Gabriel Paqueta. Jeez, I don't know how I forgot him, but, uh, he was injured there at the end. But I, I think by doing these small little additions and-, and making the team overall will be good. Um, but in terms of players that are leaving, I could see some of the players like Chalanoglu, Suso. Like I said, if offers come in, they will leave. All right. Rafa? Okay, I have a, I have two questions for you. Um, Sadi to Juventus. What are the, what are the actual odds that that's going to happen? If it does happen, what do you think Sadi will bring to Juventus? Do you think, do you think they can continue on their streak? of Scudetti or do you think they can advance in Europe with him or do you think like me where I don't I'm not quite sure he's a right fit there um personally would not like to see him there but um wouldn't actually hate the idea because I just don't think that he's the guy that's right to lead the club what do you think of of the rumor um how 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 sure is it do who do you think they're, they're gonna sign next yeah, so this is a big thing. I think this is going to be, it's going to be a start of the carousel if something is to happen in terms of either it's Inzaghi or Saudi, um, which are the two main people that are targeted for that head spot on the Juventus bench for next season. Um, if I were to say out of the two of them, I, I do feel that Saudi is going to be the more expensive choice, but I feel like he's going to be the better choice other than Inzaghi. Um, not just saying that because I'm a Lazio fan. I do feel that his time in England hasn't been very good. Um, even though in my personal opinion, um, Saudi, his first year in the Premier League, he did phenomenal, uh, overall. It's just the fans there. It's never worked out. We saw it with Conte. They wanted him out. They got Conte out. As soon as Saudi came, they didn't like Saudi Ball and Jorginho. They wanted him out. But those Saudi and Jorginho were, were instrumental in uh, Chelsea's success this season. Obviously, Hazard was a big part of that, but with him leaving, they're going to need someone to replace him. Yes, they've signed Pulisic, but there's talks of Frank Lampard. The, the contract's already been signed. They say he's already coming. I do think that that's a possibility, a, a very large possibility, and we'll see after the Europa League, even if he wins, if he is to stay. 
I think there's already been talks of, I think there's already been talks of him leaving the club, and I think Juventus are just waiting for that announcement to be made before they come and grab him. If not, um, I do feel that Inzaghi has a good chance to go there and coach. Um, do I feel that Saudi ball will work at Juventus? I think it could, um, especially with Ronaldo there to implement and kind of lead the club. Allegri is kind of a strict man. He likes what he sees. He likes what he wants to play. Um, and Saudi is kind of the same way. They're kind of the same personality, I, I um, kind of feel. And I think that him going from Napoli, trying the Premier League, and, and kind of understanding, I know he loves it. He said that today in the presser. But coming to Juventus, I think that's a whole different story that, that he can challenge for the Champions League title. He can win the Scudetto. I personally think he can do that with them if you were to go there. Excellent. Richard, any any last questions on the Mercato here for uh, for Steven? Yeah. Um, really, I want to go back to the goaltenders. I mean, there's obviously a lot of young, talented goalkeepers in the league, right? Obviously, Donnarumma. You talk about Dragowski, um, Skorupski. You had Radu. You had um, – uh, oh, who am I missing? Um Regardless, there's a lot of good goalkeepers, young goalkeepers in the league. Uh, Cranio, that's the one I was thinking of. I feel like they might, there might be a market for these guys to be scooped up. Um, something We obviously know something has to happen at Fiorentina. They're not going to keep Lafont and Dragowski. Um, do you see a lot of movement with these young keepers, whether in the league or, or elsewhere? <laughs> yes um, and no. Um, like I said, uh, from Ampoli there... Um, oh my God, having a blank on his name here. But with LaFont being the goalie that they spent so much on, I do feel that uh, Dragowski's going to want to have that playing time. He's going to want to play first team football. So if a team in the Serie A isn't going to give that to him, I do feel like he'll go abroad. Um, he did come from Poland. I don't think he's going to go back there. I think he'd rather go to a team. He'll try to go maybe La Liga, maybe Ligue 1, where he can get that first team experience. Um, that'll be offered to him. But you look at some of these teams, you have Strakosha on goal for Lazio, you have Szczesny for Juventus, you have Sirigu for Torino, you have Andanovic for Inter. Some of them are getting older, but some of them are young, and they're really there to stay, I feel, unless someone is to buy them. Um, and I feel that a lot of teams have good backups that are older and experienced. Um, Juventus, they have Perry, and Milan have Reina, and like a, a lot of these guys, I know that we have a lot of them that are younger, that could be moving. Um, but that's yet to see, and even uh, Napoli there, how many goalies did they sign over the summer just to make sure that they had a good spot? They have extra players too, so I feel like some of them could be leaving as well. But when you look at the top sides on the teams, I don't feel like they'll be moving around too much in terms of the goalies. We might see some of them move within mid-table to uh, just under Euro- European competition team sides, but uh, I don't think the goalie market is as big as the right-back uh, market per se in that aspect. Okay. Excellent stuff. All right. So uh, we've we've all touched on the manager uh, carousel um, here with uh, Juve, Inter, Milan, and Roma definitely looking for new managers, or at least in Inter's case, I don't know if they have they formally sacked uh, Spalletti yet. No, I think his his brother passed away yesterday, and I, so they're uh, waiting. They're waiting for him to get over mourning his brother passing away. There, there you go, Inter classic Inter. <laughs> you put the words in my mouth. I didn't say We're that. We're sorry about your brother. <laughs> Fire. I, mean, I mean, I hate to be insensitive, but that's what that's what it's going to be. Yeah. No, I, I mean it's inevitable. I mean, Inter's the circus. I, this is what happens. But I mean, but the thing is, I th- it was, they're going to send they're going to send Wanda to sack him. Yeah. Wanda's the new manager. She had to be mentioned in the podcast. <laughs> Wanda's the new manager of Internacional FC. All right, oh. we're off the rails now. <laughs> so, 
Uh, managers now. Okay, so Juve, all right, more than likely Inter. Milan, Roma, Mi- Juve, Milan, and Roma uh, right now are the vacancies. We can't speculate about Inter, Lazio, and Samp because those managers are still there. Nobody, Nothing has been said. Um, so, Richard, I'll start with you. Uh, your ideal candidate for each of those positions. And you can't say Cersei calls me for Juve. <laughs> I can't say Ventura for Juve. Um, no. You know, uh, it's funny. I was I don't know where I was listening to this, but you know, um, and it might have been the might have been our friends over at at, at, um, at the Serie A show. But you know, I, I, whoever goes to both Juventus and Milan, they kind of had this feeling where you need to have a manager that looks good in a suit, right? Um, Inzaghi would look good in a suit. I don't know if Sarri would per se. Um, Gasparini certainly would. I mean, he has and he does, but unfortunately he's staying. Well, fortunately, I guess for Atalanta, he's staying there. Um, who would do well at Juve? I think once, once that Juve chip falls, the rest of the chips are going to fall. Um, I think as much as Sarri ball would look good there, I think it, it may be Inzaghi's time to, to move on from Lazio. Sorry, Steven. Um, he's won a Coppa Italia there. I don't know if, you know, uh, Scudetto and or Champions League is, is, reachable with with Lazio it could be I'm, I'm just bad I currently no and I would say you know if Inzaghi could be the next you know great Italian manager and and what a place to to prove your or apply your trade as at Juventus best club in, in Serie A so uh, I I could see that there um you know sorry where would he go I mean Roma's Roma's the name that's been coming up right uh, he I think he would do really well with Roma um, with the with the players that they have, the young players they have there, uh, if he can if he can get those young guys like Chenji Zunders and Zaniolo and and Cliver playing, uh, and maybe even get Schick uh, going, uh, that might be something he needs too. So uh, I think that could work there. Milan, I was I was always saying uh, Gasparini, but he ain't, he's in, he ain't going anywhere. So um, I'm curious what happened with uh, Frank Reichard. He's disappeared off the face of the earth after leaving Barcelona and went to Galatasaray and some other places. I'm not going to go and say him, but, um, man, I don't want... Luckily, EDF has signed with who, Sevilla, I think it was, with Monchi and, and La Liga, so he's at least he's out of there. I don't know who to pick for Milan, man. I mean, uh, that's a tough one for me. Uh, Conte makes sense at Inter. Conte anywhere would make sense, honestly. Um you know, someone like an EDF or someone like that elk could do well at Sampdoria. Uh, maybe Pioli, but I don't know. It's it's tough. But uh, I I I know the the one the two that I'm not comfortable with would be like Sadi at Roma and 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 Inzaghi at Juve. Other than that, it's it's a crapshoot. I'm gonna just jump in on this one and I'm gonna say Milan and I'm just gonna just. You know, Juve. I, I agree that Juve are going to probably end up setting. You know, once that, I think it's going to be one of those. I think Inter are going to move ahead with Conte at some point. From the way it looks, Juve will probably dictate how the rest of this plays out. But as far as Milan is concerned, with Gazidis there, way too obvious for uh, Arsene Bender. Wenger not to get a call. Jardim is um, another one, the former Monaco manager. Yeah, I. You know, it's. I don't know if that's a if that project is a fit for Jardim. I don't think so either. I think it was just uh, announced today that uh, Jardim will be staying uh, next okay. season with Monaco. Yep. Okay. Yep. So so Jardim will stay at Monaco, but I, it, it, Wenger just makes the most sense because of the connection with Gazidis. Right. 
Um, you know, and then as far as Roma, you know, there's a number of places that they can go. Um, you know, they, I mean, I, I've even said, I've even heard Gattuso's po- name possibly, you know, as being, a, as, as being a possibility. Someone there. mentioned him with Fiorentina. That would be interesting. With Fiorentina as well. Yeah. Um, that that would be an ideal project for him. Um, but Juventus is going to dictate this. Um, and uh, and then after that, you're going to see the falling action from there. Uh, you know, Stephen, as far as, you know, get to, Raph, I'll get to you in a second. Stephen, as far as managers, I mean, are you worried that Inzaghi moves on? Um, I mean, he's been there forever. He's a Lazio man. Um, do you really see him? I, I said last week that, now that he's got these Coppa Italia, I could see Lotito saying, "All right, one more season. Let's 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 keep this going. We're happy to keep you here, you know." But does Inzaghi feel that way? Does Inzaghi feel like, "Hey, this is this is as much as I can do here, and I love this club, but I want to try something new"? Where are you at with it? I think it's just exactly what you said right there, right? So I feel like the final call is going to be on Inzaghi. I feel that like Claudio Lotito has offered him. Most of the things that he wants, but at the end of the day, like Richard had mentioned before, this team can only do so much. We hope that they can reach the Champions League. We hope that they can win the Scudetto. We hope that all this can happen. But if you're investing less than half of what all the other teams above you are doing, it's quite hard to actually accomplish that. Um, so Juventus is, I'd say, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for someone like Simone Anzaghi. And in the position he's in right now, after securing a Supercopa against Juventus, after the Copa Italia victory, took them to two fifth-place finishes. Obviously, this year, it ended on a lower note just due to the fact that they were already in the Europa League with the Copa Italia victory. I, I don't think that he would pass up on this opportunity, and that's where I think he's kind of in between on this decision right now. It's kind of your homeboy, hometown club, or you move on to something bigger and better. So... um I think the main deal, like you said, is if Juventus are going to sign Sarri, if Chelsea are going to sign Sarri, it's just going to be kind of a chain of effects that occur. Um, and if one doesn't work out, one will happen. Do I want him to leave? I don't think so. I think he's in a phenomenal job with what he's been offered, um, what he's been given. So at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Juventus, but I'd like him to stay um, at Lazio as a final say. Sure. And Rafa, if, if, if it's not going to be Wenger to Milan or somebody else like that, uh, you know, We'll uh, we'll just call Ancelotti home. <laughs> not a chance, bud. Not a chance. <laughs> How do you what, what what do you think of this situation with the managers? This is historic. I mean, the big clubs all. I mean, some of the big clubs having openings at this point. Yeah, it's very it's very big. Um, no one is really assured anywhere next year, except for probably Ancelotti at Napoli. I think that gives Napoli an edge for next season, and you know. <laughs> I say it every year. This is our year. This is our year. But but for for Ancelotti to be the only of the top, you know, uh, a, I would say top four, but Gasparini's thing, but top six that are really like like an assurance. Uh, I think Napoli it gives them a big edge for for Scudetto push for next season. Ancelotti's going to be able to get the players he wants. He's going to be able to adapt more his style this season than than uh, you know next season than this past season. Um, but what what I'm really worried about is is the actuality of um, of of Guardiola probably coming over now. You know he he's denied it. So many times, but I somehow, some way, I feel like 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 it's gonna happen where Guardiola is gonna end up going to Juve. I don't think 
I really don't think Sarri's leaving Chelsea. I, you know, I, whether, you know, I don't think he wants to leave Chelsea. I, and, and I, I, you know, I mean, there's a, there's these Frank Lampard rumors. How stupid of an organization can you be if you want to drop Sarri after the season that he gave you the first season with no transfers to go for Frank Lampard, who's proven himself nowhere as a manager? It's just, it's just ridiculous. So, if they had any sense, they wouldn't get rid of Sari, and then, uh, you know, Juve would take their Guardiola and go for their Champions League, and Inzaghi would stay with Lazio, and, um, you know, I, I, I like the Arsene Wenger take to Milan. I think that's a, I think that's a really good fit. Um, um, you know, you might as well. He's probably one of the biggest names uh, available at the time, uh, you know, at, at this time. Milan will finally uh, finish fourth. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and and I'm sure you'd be happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Rafa, you know? Rafa, I just got a yeah. tweet from Gazeta della Sport. They have Napoli as tenth next season. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't surprise me one bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's an unprecedented situation with the management, and it's it's going to be fun a fun few weeks. Uh, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. To, you know, tomorrow it's Tuesday night, so tomorrow the the, the Europa League final. We'll see what happens uh, with Saturday, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the only follow-up, yeah, the only follow-up I have to that is I think that multiple times so far, Gilan Balague has been on Twitter saying no, Guardiola is not talked to Juventus, he's not going to Juventus, and I mean, I'm casual in terms of following people that follow Premier League people and managers and stuff like that, but I would right. imagine that if somebody knew what Pep Guardiola was up to, it would be Gilan Balague, um, you know, all the way up to what he digested. Uh, the night before from dinner, so. But uh, he's, I, I don't know enough about this, but I just assume Balaga just has this just massive man crush on Guardiola. But anyway, um, all right. So that's our outlook on the managers, and let's just finish this up with a bold prediction: 2019-2020. Steven, your bold prediction for next season is. Ooh, bold prediction. Uh, how far down the table are we looking? Anywhere, any pick, any 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 prediction. Um, this is going to be off the top of my head here. Um, let's go. I, I do think either way that Juventus will come up top again. Um, I do think that Inter will have a better season uh, with an actual proper manager, I feel, in Conte. Um, I'm going to give them second. I think Napoli will come up third. I think Milan's going to get their Champions League spot in fourth. I think Atalanta's going to struggle to... Uh, cope with all of the competitions that they're going to be partaking in, especially if uh, certain players are to leave, um, such as Ilicic, uh, etc. in core. Um, and I think Lazio and Roma will come just after that there. Okay, I don't hate that. Uh, Rafa? Well, I can't predict Napoli winning the Scudetto, because so, if I do, they won't. it won't happen. So, um... I'm going to go Juventus takes another title. Damn it. And then I'm going to say um, I can't see Napoli slipping, honestly. The the fact that, that like I said again, Ancelotti keeps the, you know, the, his job there and, and builds on the team he has. I think it's a very, very close second. Um, um, Inter third. I can go ahead and say possibly Roma fourth, Lazio fifth. Um, it just depends on the management, man. Like, like I want Milan in fourth, but 
you know, the, the, the fact that they're up in the air with the management, I can't right now make that kind of prediction, but I really do. I really do see Juve winning another title despite who comes in. It's, it's, you know, I say that, I say that Saudi coming in wouldn't be much like a fit for me. I just, not, not his managerial skills and, and the players that they have. I just don't think he can like man manage a team as sure. well as 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 other pl- and you've got the the biggest you know the biggest uh you know superstar on the planet there you know how are you gonna man manage him and and the rest of those guys there you know i i don't know i just don't i don't see it being a fit but despite that i do see them winning another title but uh a big prediction i think is um so when when um when does uh, what number does Cavani take from 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 Napoli? Does he take Cajon's seven or does he take Verdi's number nine? So, <laughs> because Ancelotti was heard saying <laughs> that there's a big player coming and he knows who he's just not telling us. So so what what number do you think Cavani takes next year for Napoli? Ooh, that's my prediction. Okay, that's so been my think- prediction for the past three seasons. Okay. <laughs> I think he comes home, man. I think he comes home. I think he's done with PSG. Uh, I think he's done everything he could there, and and he he wants to you know try to try to get to closest to the end of his career back home at Napoli. And he's got family there, and he's always talks about how how he he loves he loves the city and the team. So I think my bold prediction is he comes back finally. It finally is true. Milik might have something to say about that, but (laughs) Richard, yeah, he might. Richard, your bold prediction for the 2019-2020 season. We don't know what the, who the managers are going into next season. If we assume that Conte is in at Inter, um, uh, my top four will look like this. Napoli, number one. Inter, yeah, two. Richard. Inter, two. Juve, three. Uh, Atalanta, four. You, you said Juve are going to win the title again for the next five five uh, years. I know. I know, but they, I, gonna, I thought they were going to have Allegri. <laughs> <laughs> now you're gonna. You said bold prediction. Uh, you're contradicting. That's a safe ball. prediction as as keeping UV the title. A bold prediction is saying they're gonna lose. Yeah. Well, my bold prediction is exactly that for 2019-2020. Someone other than Juventus is going to win the Scudetto next season, and I say that because, you know, we'll see what they do for reinforcements. Uh, Aaron Ramsey doesn't wow me. Um, the, uh, the the defense needs work and needs needs some reinforcement and. Uh, you know, how quickly can those guys fit in? Leonardo Bonucci is not the defender that he used to be if he was even a defender. Uh, Daniel Dugani just has not lived up to it. Um, you know, the goalkeepers are decent. They're not Buffon. Uh, and the fullbacks, Alexandro, who is in our team of the season, he's been, he's been solid. But then after that, you know, Cancelo offers a lot going forward, but defensively, he's meh. Um, you know, so there's some things that you can attack here with this Juve team, uh, you know, going forward. The problem, you know, Who's the manager, and do they create a system where they go out and score more goals? That's going to be a whole other uh, kettle of fish for everybody to deal with. But I think in a season of transition, this is the time where you're going to get them, and I agree. I think this is going to be Napoli. Ancelotti's had a season with them. He's going to further ingrain things, make some reinforcements. And, Rafa, if you don't want to predict it, I will. Napoli will be your Scudetto winner next year. Um, And then one other, just, just for fun, uh, we will welcome and talk about Brescia a lot next season, and we're going to talk about them as a team that will survive uh, and stay up uh, mm-hmm. in their first season in Serie A. So those are going to be my bold predictions like for 2019-2020. And with that, uh, we put a bow on this edition 
of City House Sit Down and on the 2018-2019 season. Let's give everybody a chance to plug themselves. Stephen, we'll start with you. Yes, uh, certainly. So at S underscore K underscore more on Twitter. Excellent. And then any other any pieces that you're putting together, anything that uh, the listeners can uh, can be on the lookout for? Uh, definitely um, uh, at, un, or at the underscore Laziali. Um, I'll be plugging at that all summer before I head over to the UK for my exchange. Um, talking about all the transfers, uh, different player profiles that are uh, predicted to come uh, to Lazio, in addition to just helping uh, Demarzio and uh, David Moyal on uh, the sites, uh, writing posts for them. Uh, there's also might be a clothing line um, coming out very shortly. Um, I'm going to see if I can put that together before the summer concludes. So. Awesome. So there's definitely some things in the works. Awesome. Good for you on the exchange, too. Good luck with that. Thank you very much. You bet. Rafa. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RafaNopoli83. Um, we are still in a sabbatical um, with our Far From Vesuvius podcast, but we still do exist. We're on Twitter. Um, and I am currently looking for the twitter handle <laughs> at far from vesuvius is what it is and um uh, i i uh, i do have uh, so so we have plans to come back um probably in the summertime definitely by the start of the of the season we should be we should be back on the air um we still do have our far from vesuvius.wordpress.com site up some of us still do some writing Twitter is still very active. We all talk to each other, so no, we're 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 not gone and disbanded, but we're just all very very busy with 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 life. Um, and uh, so my my uh, my goal this summer is to try to to write a little bit more for the site and to um, uh, rustle up the 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 troops to get us back on the airwaves. I am actually recording a not calcio related uh, podcast with a friend of mine. Uh, I do I do his hair. Um, I'm his barber, and he's um, uh, it's called the the Bearded Beast Show. He's a Krav Maga instructor who is also a family man who's also uh, an entrepreneur. He's uh, he's uh, got another full time job as well. He decided to start this podcast up about just everyday things. Uh, I'll be plugging all of, you know the appearances on all the the culture stuff that I do um but also be talking about life and you know barber barbershop talk and stuff like that so that's coming out too the the bearded beast show uh look for it um but i mean uh, other than that check uh, keep keep uh, keep our twitter uh handy because we'll be we'll be uh very active as the mercato unfolds here Excellent stuff, and thanks again. And then, uh, yeah, for that podcast, uh, definitely copy us at City I Sit Down um, when it drops. Uh, many of our listeners would love to uh, uh, to give that a listen. So, um, Richard, how about you? Man, yeah, uh, I just want to first of all thank all the guests we've had on the show this year, and all the, all the guest appearances I've made on different shows. Uh, you know, guys like Steven and Rafa, Adriano Del Monte, and all all the guests we've had on this season. Uh, thank you to all the guys who've who jumped on and, and helped us out. It's tre- helped tre- tremendously. Um, thanks to all the listeners as well. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to enjoy this summer uh, podcast-free, re-energize from the Calcio, uh, get ready for uh, a start of a fourth season. So, yeah, uh, a lot of fun, exciting things coming up with uh, our podcast and, uh, you know, YouTube. So, um, as always, you can follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Excellent. And you can uh, follow me 
at FTC underscore 21. Serie uh, Sit Down, we have our own channel on iTunes. We have our own channel on SoundCloud. We can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, just about anywhere you can find a podcast. And as Richard alluded to, Serie uh, Sit Down on YouTube uh, for video content. Uh, do check us out there. Drop likes on the videos. It means a lot to us. Um, and I uh, want to second that. I want to thank all of our guests throughout the season who have been tremendous, um, you know, in their contributions and giving us great information uh, for uh, Richard and myself and then also for our listeners. Um, extra special thanks to uh, Stephen and to Rafa. We ran a marathon tonight, boys, but we got through it. <laughs> oh, thank you, guys. You guys are you guys are great. Great. Listen, every single week for City. Oh, man, I never miss an episode. And I want you I want you guys to know that you do sure, a tremendous man. job and we appreciate well, we 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 definitely appreciate everything you do for the, the cultural community. A true a true Italian cultural podcast here. I'll tell you that. Awesome. I appreciate that. And Stephen, thank you as well. Thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure coming on to speak to you guys. Great guys overall. And uh, definitely, like uh, Rafa just mentioned there, I love the podcast. I've always been a fan So since I found out about you guys. So it's definitely one. Uh, thanks for following me on Twitter and, and asking me to come on. Oh, that means a lot to us. Thank you, Stephen. And, uh, and to all of our listeners, I mean, uh, you guys all mean a lot to us uh, that we've been able to do this for three seasons. I had somebody that I follow tweet say, um, can anyone tell me a podcast that's last long, lasted longer than two months? And, you know, I replied to him. I said, I'm proud to say that Serie Sit Down has been around for three seasons and is uh, going to be back for a fourth. Uh, so and, uh, you know, we don't last this long without having listeners and without having a loyal following. And uh, we really appreciate that. And, you know. Our opinions, our ideas, they're original. Uh, you know, we're not we're not stealing anything from anybody. This is coming from fans, and this is being delivered to fans. That's the way we do things here. Uh, and we don't want to mince words. If we think something, <laughs> if we think your team sucks, we're going to tell you that your team sucks. You know, if we think your team was great, we're going to tell you that your team was great. So we don't apologize, and we don't apologize for it. And and we're glad that we have the listenership that we have. We're we're glad that we've made the connections that we've had through the years. And uh, I'm I'm already looking forward to. Uh, uh, to season four, uh, to the 2019-2020 Calcio season, but I'm also I'm much more looking forward to um, having about two and a half, three months of rest here, <laughs> not having to worry about getting content together. Amen. So yeah, uh, uh, a little time off, little uh, little R&R, and then uh, we'll be back at it with preview della Madonina sometime in August before the season begins. So uh, we will fire the warning signs on Twitter when we're back on the air, um, unless some incredibly massive breaking news that happens in the middle of summer where we have to come on and do a quick pod for it. Uh, I plan to be in a slumber. So, um, so thank you to the listeners. Thank you to our guests, Stephen and Rafa. Thank you again, Richard. Always a pleasure to, uh, to get on the mic and talk Calcio with you every week. Um, uh, the ideas, the ideas back and forth. Uh, you know, I think we, uh, we learn a lot from each other and we certainly learn a heck of a lot from our guests. 100%. Yeah, we couldn't do it without them. So, yeah, it's been fun, and uh, yeah, look forward to another year. Another year. And for the love of God, somebody step up and beat Juve next year. No, just kidding. <laughs> All right. So, again, with extra special thanks to Steven and Rafa, and uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. This has been the Serie A sit-down. We will see you in Season 4. Uh, until then, go to the archives and tell your paisans about us. Ciao. <laughs>